Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? Welcome to WGN Radio Theater. Special three-hour presentation. And your hosts, Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, Lisa, we're here. It's ten minutes after 11, uh, about an hour late start because of Hawks. But uh, guess what? We're here. Right. We're happy to be here, even at 11 o'clock, which is sort of our normal time, so it feels kind of right. Yeah, but we only have four hours instead of five. But you know what? What? That's what we have. That's what we're going to do. Four hours of classic radio. Sound good? Four hours is a good four hours. We'll be here till three o'clock in the morning. And uh, by the way, you look vivacious. Well, thank you, Normally, Carl. Normally, I say the vivacious Lisa Wolf is and here. And you look um, like mm, Carl. You look, okay. You look Carl-ish. Well, you know what? We're going to start things off in just a few minutes with Father Knows Best. By the way, all of the shows, Christmas shows. Right. It's that Father time. Knows Best from 1951. Robert Young. Then we have a uh, Christmas episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers. And then an hour-long Lux Radio Theater, Miracle of the Bells with Fred McMurray, Frank Sinatra, and Valley. Yeah? Yep. Sounds good. We're and start you, things off now, though. Right. We're going to play our our game, Guess That Song. We are on 1961. We are going to be giving away a Lou Malnati's gift certificate. Wow. So that sounds delicious. I wish I could call in and win. I know. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Change your voice a little bit. Nobody would even notice. We're going to be looking for caller number five. You can call right now at 312-981-7200. Call right now. We'll be... Guess that song. We're going to do that right now. We have Carol on the phone to play the game. Hi, Carol. Hi. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Carol. Happy holidays. Hey, Thank hi, Carol. Thank you. Happy holidays. So this is from 1961. Carl complains a lot because he doesn't always know the songs. I'm guessing we're going to be very successful tonight. Really? That's, yeah. Oh, I hope so. I, I was just born that year, so I'm going to use my baby brain. <laughs> all right. All right. There Let's see how we go. We're going to play the first song right now. Make sure you're thinking of her. Mm. Sound familiar? Yeah. Something mm. lover is the next line. I'm something so sorry. something lover. No, I'm so sorry. No. Carol, sound familiar to you? Not at all. Mm. Okay, let's hear it. You're going to know it when you hear it. Make sure you're thinking of her. Bobby V. Everything you say and do. Here it is. I'll take good care of my baby. baby. There you go. Take good care of my baby. Wow, Did you yeah. know that song? Yeah, but Do you know I that one, yeah. Carol? All right. See, yeah. it's familiar. This song was written by Carol King and Jerry Goffin, and the song was made famous by Bobby V, who's singing it right there when it was released in 1961. Okay, we're on a whole different track here with the second song, totally different genre. Let's hear it. Each time someone speaks your name, I... I gave you a little clue there. I. Jeez. I. She's tough, isn't no, she, Carol? No, you she know, picks this these one? very I esoteric. Sing disco or something. I yeah, like disco. I, I don't there, come on. This is 1961, guys. This yeah. isn't disco era. We'll get into the 70s so uh, we can all <laughs> guess these songs. I did that already. I, I want Donna right, Summer and the Bee Gees and okay. stuff like that. All right, let's hear it. Each time someone speaks your name. Ready? I fall to pieces. 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 There it is. All 
right? This was the first pure this Tammy Wynette or somebody? No, it's Patsy Cline. <laughs> oh, Patsy Cline. <laughs> this was the first pure country single I don't know my country to songs. cross over to the pop charts. That's okay. You know, the good thing about this game is you are a winner. You, and, you know what she you just did? You are a winner and you are a winner. She just made me hungry because she said Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I did not say <laughs> Pop-Tarts. <laughs> so close. But we're all winners. We're all winners. And you've won a Lou Malnati's gift certificate for $25. Lou Malnati's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza. Sounds delicious. Find one of their 40-plus Chicagoland locations or order online at LouMalnati's.com. Thank you for calling in and thank you for being a good sport, Carol. Thanks. You guys have a great holiday. Thank Thanks. You, you, you too, Carol. All right. Carol's a big winner. She won a uh, Lou Malnati's pizza. And our listeners are big winners, too, because we have a brand new website. If you love classic radio and you want to pick the shows that you are uh, collecting. Or the right? genre. Right, or the genre. We have a brand new website. It is 100, the numeral 100, radioshows.com. If you go there, you're going to find seven different collections, and each collection has 100 radio shows, so approximately 50 hours of material in each one of these collections. And when you click on any one of them, and there's an all-time favorites, there's a comedy, a drama, a Christmas show, Christmas is great right now. You can get that and be listening to them immediately. Um, there's a Western, a mystery, detective, all kinds of great things. Right, and this is all digitally downloaded. Right. So it happens almost instantly. It right. sets right to your computer. 100 links you'll get any one of these that you purchase, and these links never expire. You can Bluetooth them anywhere, listen to them on any listening device. Can you device. share the links? Um, sure. Yeah. yeah, you can share you the can links. share them with your friends absolutely. and family. Absolutely, absolutely. So just go to one. 100radioshows.com you will see all seven collections and uh, we just uh, launched this a couple of weeks ago so right. hope Check you enjoy Check out the website 100radioshows.com All right we have a text in line it's 312-981-7200 we'll be here till 3 o'clock in the morning we love getting your texts do text us we're going to start things off now with Father Knows Best uh, primarily remembered as a TV show I remember watching this as a kid I remember watching black and white episodes of Father Knows Best, but it was first on radio. It came to radio in 1949, and it was a situation comedy just like the TV show on radio. The series was set in the Midwest. Robert Young was general insurance agent Jim Anderson. His wife was Margaret. He had daughters, Betty and Kathy, and son, Bud. So it was the same thing. Just on radio. Um, it lasted on radio till 1954. That's the same year it moved to TV. And they recast everybody other than Robert Young. They left Robert Young and then said, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone, and you're gone. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> let's just, let's, yeah, let's just leave it right there. Um, and it was sponsored by Maxwell House Coffee. Always good. good to the last drop. To the last drop. All right, we have a broadcast, a Christmas show, December 13th, 1951. This is all about the Christmas party. Here's Robert Young in part one of Father Knows Best. Mother, is Maxwell House the best coffee in the whole world? Well, your father says so. And your father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons. 
brought to you by Maxwell House, the coffee that's bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee at any price. Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. In the year 1867, a man named Christopher Scholl sat down at a typewriter in Milwaukee and pecked out that immortal sentence, now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of the party. Naturally, he wasn't thinking of Springfield at the time, but if ever a party needed being come to the aid of, it's the Christmas Brannigan being arranged for the country club by the Andersons and their friends. And if you've never heard a welkin ring... You ought to hear what's going on in the living room of the white frame house on Maple Street. As a matter of fact, you can. Like this. She's only a bird in a gilded cage. Mm-hmm. A beautiful sight to see. She's happy and free Bud. from care. Bud. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bud. Wait a minute, fellas. Now what's the matter? Well, how come you get to sing all the words? Well, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Who said so? My father said so. You mean all we're ever going to get to sing is... Mm-hmm. Ah, let him sing it, Joe. What's the difference? Yeah, we don't have to remember so much. I want to sing more than hmm. It's monotonous. But that's how they do it on the Jack Benny program. Look, Joe, it's going to be a gay 90s party, isn't it? Well, I know, but... And you want the singing to sound like the gay 90s, don't you? Well, sure, but... Then why don't you stop arguing? You weren't even living when they had the gay 90s. Well, so what? Neither were you. My father was. <laughs> He was? What a dope. You didn't think he was born yesterday, did you? Oh, no, but... Gosh, I didn't know that. Boy, are you knave. <laughs> I'm what? Knave. That means stupid. Oh. Well, now that we got that settled... Look, bud, my father told me... Hey, wait a minute. What does your father know about the gay 90s? Yeah, where was he born? My father? Yeah. In Philadelphia. Okay, then shut up. Let's go, bud. Right. Where were we? Uh, let's start over. Okay. Hmm. Well? <laughs> She's only a bird in a gilded cage. Hmm. A beautiful sight to see. She's happy But, wait a and second free from... What? Why don't we ask him again? Who? Your father, he just got home He did? Hiya, Dad Hello, bud Well, what are you boys up to now? Hi, Mr. Oh, Mr. We're rehearsing our song for the country club party, Dad Would you like to hear it? Well, I... It uh... won't be any trouble, Mr. Anderson We're getting real good Yeah, we're real humdingers <laughs> Methinks I detect a slight note of bitterness. Something wrong, Joe? Mr. Anderson, 
When you were a kid in the gay 90s, did everybody Wait sing... a minute, when... When I was what? Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Anderson. When you were a child in the gay 90s. Uh, that's more like it. What about when I was a child in the gay 90s? Everybody sang, hmm, didn't they, Dad? No, I'd say it was more, uh, boo-boop-a-doop. In the gay 90s? Well, we called them the gay 20s. And they sang boo-boop-a-doop? Oh, yes, practically all day long. Wouldn't hmm be a lot easier? I mean, Mom said boo-boop-a-doop. <laughs> I'm sorry, bud. I didn't mean to get you all confused. Oh, we aren't confused. Are we, Freddy? Who isn't? <laughs> we aren't. He's only a bird in a gilder cage. Boop, boop, a doop. <laughs> Does that sound like the gay 90s? Doesn't sound like the gay anything. Boys, I, uh, I wouldn't count too heavily on the Christmas party if I were you. You wouldn't? Holy cow, Dad. I know you've been looking forward to it, but you see, certain things have come up and we may have to call the whole thing off. Call it off. Oh, but you can, Mr. Anderson. We've been practicing all afternoon. Well, there isn't anything definite about it. I mean, where's your mother, bud? She's in the den with Betty. Gosh, Mr. Anderson, you, you can't call off the Christmas party. Can you? Well, I don't want to, Joe, but you'll go ahead with your practicing and uh, we'll see what happens. Do you think he means it about calling it off? I don't know. He certainly sounded like he meant it, didn't he, Freddy? When I was a child in the gay 90s. Diamond Jim Anderson, that's me. Betty, your father won't stand for it, and please let's not have any arguments. But, Mother... What won't I stand for? Oh, hello, dear. We didn't hear you come in. Hi, Father. Hello, Hi, Daddy. Yeah. Margaret, if you'll take those pins out of your mouth... Mm. Mm, I'm sorry, dear. Is that better? Much. Well... <laughs> Lillian Russell, as I live and breathe. Isn't it beautiful, Father? Yes, sir. Bustle and all. That's quite a dress. Betty wants Mommy to take the shoulder straps off. All right, Kathy. Well, that's what you said, isn't it? Just you wait. Margaret? We're not going to touch the shoulder straps, Jim. Jumping creepers. Ha, ha. But you've got to do something about Kathy. She's been impossible all day. Mommy! I'm sorry, Kathy, but you have. She's a disgrace to the entire family. I am not. You certainly are. What has she done now? I haven't done anything, Daddy. Honest, I haven't. Besides, he pushed me first. Honey, don't you think this is something for you to... Well... I've got to get this hem pinned up, Jim, or it'll never be done. I know, but... Betty, if you keep slouching like that, I'll never get it even. Pardon me. Margaret, I've had a very trying day, and... Kathy, tell your father what you did. I didn't do anything. Anything much. Betty, please. I wasn't slouching. They were playing with bolts at Jimmy Woody's, and Kathy pushed the poor child right into the bathtub. With his clothes on. Well, I should hope so. <laughs> and she refuses, she refuses, mind you, to apologize. But he pushed me first. He pushed you into the bathtub? No, but he pushed me. Kathy. And why should I apologize when he pushed me first? Kitten, it isn't a question of who did it first. You want to be his friend, don't you? Well, sure, Then but... think how simple it is. You say, I'm sorry, and it's all over. But why shouldn't he say he's sorry first? Because he isn't as big as you are. 
He's bigger than I am. I don't mean that kind of big. I mean big in a sense of character and integrity. You're bigger that way. I am? You can be. You see, kitten, if you've made a mistake and you acknowledge it, that's being big. If you have a very good friend and you've had some little misunderstanding, it doesn't matter whose fault it is, the big thing to do is to say, I'm sorry, pal, let's forget the whole thing. Right, honey? Oh, dear, it's still higher on this side. See, that means your mother agrees with me. Daddy? Yes, kitten? If I go over to apologize, will you go with me? I'll be glad to. As a matter of fact, we'll do it right now. And then I'll be bigger than he is. You certainly will be. Margaret. Go ahead, dear. I'm listening. Kathy and I are going over to apologize. We're going to be big. That's fine, dear. And Jim, tell Lucille if Kathy ruined anything, we'll be glad to pay for it. Lucille? Hathaway? Of course. What has she got to do with Jimmy Woody? Kathy, didn't you say... It was Jimmy Woody's bathtub, Daddy, but I pushed Brad Hathaway. Now, just a minute. You said... Jim, no matter what she said, it was Brad Hathaway who landed in the tub. Head first. The little monster seems proud of it. Betty, please. I'm going to apologize because I'm big. Aren't I, Daddy? You certainly are. But, uh, tell you what, kitten. Right after dinner, I'll drop you off at the Hathaway's on my way to the club. But and... I want to apologize now. We won't have the time, baby. After all, dinner is almost ready and... Dinner uh... won't be ready for another hour, Jim. He might get the idea, and then he'll come over here to apologize, and then he'll be big. Well, what's wrong with that? I want to be big! Ah! <laughs> oh, Kathy, for the love of Pete. <laughs> Dear, I've got my hands full as it is. Kitten, look, uh, why don't you write a nice long letter to Brad? <laughs> Please. Oh, dear. Kathy. Kathleen. Yes, Mommy? Stop that. Yes, Mommy. And behave yourself. But I want to apologize and nobody will let me. Of course we will. You can go down to the Hathaways and apologize for the next hour. By myself? Jim, I'm not going to have that child running around the neighborhood alone after dark. I didn't mean alone. Betty can go with her. Oh, I can't, Father. I'm full of pins. Well, there's no reason why Bud can't take her, is there? Bud! Jim. It'll do us all good, honey. Get that bird out of her cage for a while. <laughs> Bud! You want me, Dad? Jim, will you please tell me one thing? Why don't you want to go to the Hathaways? I did tell you. I've had a very trying day, and I'm very tired. And I'd like to take a little nap before dinner, that's all. You're sure? Dad! Just a minute, Bud. Of course I'm sure. You certainly don't think... I mean... Yes? Honey, it isn't as though I... I'm not a child, Margaret, and I... Yes? Well, if you must know, Jim Hathaway and I aren't speaking. There's one thing about wives, and children too, for that matter. They just don't seem to understand that the things that happen to a husband or a father are, well, different. Arguments between children or women can be settled very easily, because after all, they're just foolish little misunderstandings, aren't they? Of course. But when there's a difference of opinion between men, well, that's another story. 
Like this. Honey, he was wrong, and you know it. But you're both working for the same thing, aren't you? That has nothing to do with it. I was appointed chairman of the Christmas party committee, and he had no right to interfere. I don't think he was trying to interfere, dear. He wasn't. Well, if it isn't interfering, I'd like to know what you call it. I think he was trying to help. But nobody asked him to help. That's the point. Just because he's the president of the club, he has no right to think he can run things to suit himself. Jim. The committee picked out the gay 90s theme. And everybody was very happy with it. I know, dear, but... What right did he have to come up with a Western theme? That's what I'd like to know. Well, Lucille explained the whole thing to me. She thought... Oh, she's the one. It isn't bad enough having the president interfere. Now it's his wife. Lucille was not interfering. She merely said... Next thing you know, she'll be running the Greens Committee. Jim, will you please listen? Of course. Go right ahead. Say anything you please. All right. Lucille told me... After all, who am I? I'm only the chairman of the committee, that's all They realize that, but Lucille told me We spent hours discussing the best possible theme for the Christmas party But you don't have to pay any attention to us We're only the committee Are you quite finished? I'm sorry, go ahead You seem to have forgotten one thing Lucille told me We discussed themes until we were blue in the face You know, people don't just pick out a gay 90s theme by accident It took a lot of very careful thought Jim, will you please be quiet? Uh-huh. Now, I'm not even allowed to have an opinion. I can be pushed around by Jim and Lucille Hathaway, and that's all right. But if I try to say one word, but one word... Well? Well, what? What did Lucille tell you? Oh, oh, we're back to that old thing. Margaret, if you're going to tell me, tell me. Now? Of course. Well, if Steve Brody could jump off a bridge. Lucille Hathaway told me... Yes? Thank you. She spoke to at least a dozen wives. Now, look, honey, this happens to be a club run and by and for a group of men. And every single one of them too much trouble and finding gay 90 costumes for their husbands, and they thought that something else would do. be simpler and less expensive. There, I said it, and I'm glad. Margaret, you don't have to shout at me. No? Tell me one other way I can make you listen. Be like a man. Use logic. Oh, fiddle-dee-dee. Honey, profanity will get you nowhere. <laughs> Jim, I... Oh, what's the use? I give up. Look, I don't want you to think I'm being stubborn. Of course not. But what right did Jim Hathaway have to go over our heads and ask that the theme of the party be changed? He thought he was acting for the good of the club. This happens to be a republic, not a dictatorship. And when one man takes it upon himself to defy the very principles of American democracy, then it's high time that the people... Oh, stop it. What? Ever since they made you chairman of that silly committee, you've done nothing but make speeches. Why, Margaret. The issue is perfectly simple and clear, but you won't face it. The issue is that Jim Hathaway had no right... Gay 90 costumes are very elaborate and very expensive, and no one is going to bother making them. Jim Hathaway had no right... With a Western theme, you just throw on some old clothes and make a face like Hopalong Cassidy. That's all there is to it. May I please say something? Pray do. Thank you. Jim Hathaway had no right... Jim Hathaway had nothing to do with it. Margaret, I was there when he came in. And and... if you must know, the Western idea was mine. Honey, how could you do a thing like that to me? (sighs) I'm sorry, Angel. But do you realize how much work is involved in making gay 90 costumes for five people? You made one for Betty and it looked beautiful. That happens to be your new evening gown and I was merely shortening it. Oh, I thought... You bought her a new evening gown? With a bustle? Bustles are back. Well, that's the logical place for them. (laughs) Last week you said she didn't need a new evening gown. And this week I decided she did. 
Any questions? I'm all mixed up. The committee decided that... Jim, a Western theme is so much more informal and practical. Everyone agrees that it's a much more sensible idea. They do? Yes, dear. They didn't like the gay 90s idea, huh? They liked it, sweetheart, but it just isn't worth all the effort. But the committee decided that the gay 90s... Dad! The committee would have decided something else if you'd asked a few women. Besides, we've ordered $50 worth of decorations. Say, Dad, would you like to hear something? Come on in, fellas. But we're very busy right now. This'll only take a minute, Dad. Won't it, fellas? Ah, oh, yes, just a minute, Bud. We changed the whole arrangement like you said, and it sounds great, doesn't it, Joe? Yeah. It's real keen. <laughs> But I just told you... Line up, fellas, and we'll do it for him. But... It's no use, dear. We might as well hear it. You'll love it, Mom. It'll take you back to your childhood in the gay 90s. <laughs> That'll be nice. Well, go ahead, bud, and get it over with. You bet, Dad. Ready, fellas? <coughs> yeah. Oh, you bet. <clears throat> okay, here we go. <laughs> She's on. Tell you about it later. Go ahead, boys. You're doing fine. It's sad when you think of her wasted life. Boop. For <laughs> you cannot make with age. And her beauty was so for an old man's gold. Boop. He's a bird in a gilded cage. Boop. 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 A doop. <laughs> That was very nice, boys. Thank you. It was yeah. very unusual, wasn't it, Jim? You know, honey, the more honey. I think about that Western idea... Mother, is everything all right in there? Yes, dear, everything's fine. I heard the strangest noises. <laughs> the boys were singing. Oh, pardon me. What's the matter with her? Bud, what would you and the other boys think of a Western theme for the Christmas party? Western? That's right. You know, cowboys, Indians, that sort of thing. Did they sing about a bird in a gilded cage? <laughs> they did not. Well, then how could we sing... Oh. <laughs> yes, sir, I think the Western theme is a very good idea. Fellas, let's go back to the living room. What for? I've got an idea about how we can do Home on the Range. With or without boots. Yeah, that's well, a good that's idea. Good. We'll see you later. Uh, take your time, boys. There's no hurry. 
Okay. Jim, don't you think you're being a little mean to the boys? <laughs> I was only kidding them. You know that. And what was that boop boop ba doop business? Oh, I, uh, I didn't know they were going to take me seriously. They asked me how we used to sing in the good old gay oh. 90s. Daddy! <laughs> Kathy, what is it? Daddy, it's Mr. Hathaway and Brad. Well, why get all excited? But Brad's going to apologize and then he'll be big. Margaret. I'll take care of it, dear. Come along, Kathy. Mommy, don't let him apologize to me. I have to apologize first. Oh, I don't know. Jim? Oh, hi, fella. Hi. I'm not interrupting anything, am I? Of course not. Come on in. Hey. Uh... Sit down. Thank you. Uh. <laughs> well, a nice night, isn't it? Yes, yes. It's, uh... Uh, where's Brad? He went into the kitchen for a drink. Oh. Uh, nice night, isn't it? Yes. Uh, say, say, Jim. Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we ought to take turns. Yeah, it certainly looks that way. Jim... <laughs> <laughs> now, this is getting to be a habit. <laughs> Look, I, I just want you to know that I'm sorry about, well, our little misunderstanding. So am I. And it was pretty silly, wasn't it? <laughs> it sure was. But I've notified the committee that we'll follow your gay 90s plan. Wait a minute. You had no right to do that. Well, why not? I've decided you were right and we ought to have the Western theme. But we can't. Why not? I've already told the committee. You had no right to tell the committee. I'm the chairman. Now, look, Jim. Lucille went out and bought a whole gay 90s outfit, and if you think I don't that care, I... she bought 12 of them. You had no right going over my head. But the gay 90s was your idea. And the Western was yours. Father. I'm the president, and I say we'll have the gay 90s. We'll have the Western. Father. Gay 90s. Western. Father, you've got to stop them. It's terrible. What's the matter? Kathy and Brad, they're fighting. What? I thought Kathy wanted to apologize. They both do, and they're fighting about it. Well, we'll just see about that. Come on, Jim. Uh, but don't think we're not going to have the gay 90s. Father, hurry. We're going to have the Western. Gay 90s. Western. Gay 90s. Western. Mm. <laughs> oh, on the range. Mm. Where? Where the deer and the antelope Let's have another cup of coffee. You know, that phrase has become a traditional part of American family life. And in most families throughout America, the coffee that fills the cups is Maxwell House coffee, chosen above all others for its superb good-to-the-last-drop flavor. That's why I say start serving our coffee to your family. There's such hearty good cheer in every fragrant cup of Maxwell House coffee you'll say it has the best flavor you've ever tasted. Then just count all the truly good cups you get from each pound. You'll agree that Maxwell House is today's coffee buy. And remember, Maxwell House coffee comes in three grinds, regular, drip, and pulverized, one exactly suited to the way you make coffee. So look for the sign of good coffee, the big white cup and drop on the familiar blue tin. Take home Maxwell House. 
The one coffee that's always good to the last drop. It's some time later, and the Christmas party at the Springfield Country Club is mercifully a thing of the past. Now it's after midnight, and the Andersons are on their way home, happy and definitely exhausted, like this. Well, that was quite a party, wasn't it? Yes, sir, it sure was. <sighs> yeah, best party we've ever had, that's what it was. A gay 90s western. <laughs> Uh, how about a little close harmony, honey? Mom's asleep, Dad. Oh. Betty? She is, too, and so's Kathy. Well, looks like we're the only live wires in the crowd. You said it. <laughs> uh, let's try, um, down by the old mill stream. Okay? Okay. Here we go. Down by the old mill stream. It doesn't sound right if we both take the harmony. Tell you what we'll do. I'll carry the melody the first time through, and you'll take the harmony. Then we'll try it again, and we'll switch parts, okay? Here we go. Down by the old mills. Bud. Bud. <laughs> well, if that isn't... Oh, well. Down by the old mill stream Where I first met you With your eyes Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson with Roy Bargey and the Maxwell House Orchestra. In our cast were Ted Donaldson as Bud, Gene Vanderpile, Rhoda Williams, Norma Jean Nilsson, Bill Johnstone, Gil Stratton Jr., Tommy Cook, Johnny McGovern, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. So until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, brings you Mystery Tonight on NBC. That is Father Knows Best, a broadcast from December 13th, 1951. Robert Young starring a Christmas show uh, that was originally sponsored by Maxwell House Coffee. And uh, a lot That's of fun. good to the last drop. Yeah. I'm drinking some coffee I right see here. that. You need some coffee. <laughs> Lisa takes a nap. She's, no, no. She naps. Well, I nap during I the day. And I have to stay up. Well, no, wait a second. when these classic radio shows are on, she got, sleeps in the corner. <laughs> that is incorrect. In a in a fetal position. Carl has a vivid imagination. And I have my coffee. You and need I'm coffee. Paying attention because <laughs> Shante <laughs> Garth, our producer, there, she's giving me cues and things, and Lisa's she's giving me cues and things too. <laughs> Carl has a That's vivid Lisa, imagination in your mind when these shows are playing. 
in your mind. Maybe you want me to go to sleep because I keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have Tales of the Texas Rangers in a little bit. And then an hour-long Lux Radio Theater, Miracle of the Bells with Frank Sinatra and uh, Fred McMurray and Valley, hour-long yep. show. Yeah, make sure to check our Facebook page. We have a great poster for that with uh, pictures of all of these actors. Yeah, they were in the uh, movie, and mm-hmm. they're also in the radio show. Yep. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Now, that's a jingle right there. Oh, the Victory I, Auto that's record. for sure. Those other songs. Why don't you go back to the 1800s for these songs? I mean, well, 1961, I didn't know any of those. Yeah, I know, but... Go back to, like, you 1875. Know, take good care of my Maybe Maybe I'll know that. You know, maybe I'll know. All right, like, you're obviously not successful with songs from the 1960s, so I will. Move you know, upward. cavemen and cave women used to just, you know, beat, beat on things, something? and you know, and anything. send like uh, smoke Sound. signals. <laughs> I, I can try to guess the smoke All right, signals. I think you're going to be more successful this hour, even yeah? though it's still 1961. I don't know about that. I don't either. <sighs> what All am right, I going to do with Lisa you, Lisa Wolf? All right, I'll go into the. Maybe I'll do current songs. Lisa Matanki. Would you be happier if I did current songs next week? No, like disco, like Carol said. You want disco, disco next yeah. week? All right, I want next some week. Bee Gees and some Donna Summer and some. Uh, who else? <laughs> I was I was too busy dancing. I was fever. too busy dancing to the songs. I All didn't right. care who sang them. For you, Carl, next Saturday we will be doing disco for guess wow. that song. It will be About disco time. night. I'll guess them too. I know you will. Like uh, maybe to think <laughs> you who can else. only think of like two songs. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> uh, all right. In our next hour, tales of the Texas Rangers. That was created by our good pal Stacy Keach's dad. Senior. Yeah, that's right. And then Lux Radio Theater, an hour-long broadcast of Miracle of the Bells with Frank Sinatra. And if you're a Frank Sinatra fan, you don't want to miss Dave Plyer's new show every Sunday morning starting at 6.30. You don't want to miss it. The Sinatra Hours. He does a great job playing all the great Sinatra tunes and uh, 6.30 in the morning till 9. And he has some great conversations about them, too, so you learn yeah. a little bit along the way. He knows his Sinatra. He knows everything. Yeah, know. He's a smart guy. All right, so that's, uh, that's coming your way. We have Tales of the Texas Rangers and Lux Radio Theater right here on the WGN Radio Theater. So stay glued. The WGN Radio Theater returns. We have returned. <laughs> <laughs> We're here every Saturday and uh nope, see. No, nope, well, just we are, Saturday. <laughs> actually, we are on Sunday, though. It's just Sunday morning. That's confusing. But we're it's here Saturday con- night at 10 confusing. p.m. for five hours. I'm usually confused. <laughs> you, I know and you easily are. confused. You are dazed usually and confused. Usually and <laughs> easily confused. But, yeah, we're here from 10 o'clock till 3 o'clock in the morning. So 10 p.m. till 3 a.m. Saturday nights. Although... Although I was going to say this weekend, this next Saturday, a week from tonight, we are preempted and starting at midnight. So we will have three great hours of classic radio, but the week after that, we'll have the full five hours. Yeah, and I'm not going to say who the co-host of the show on the 28th is going to be. But it won't be me. Because <laughs> Lisa's not going to be here. She's on vacation. I will be here with a very famous person as the co-host. I'm yes. not going to say if it's a girl or a guy. Well, I'm not going to I'm going to give little away. clues here and there, and then people can guess who the co-host. Right, well, I'll be here next week, and we'll go from there. Very famous person. 
Yeah. Well, it won't be as good as it won't be as great as when I'm here, but you know, it should be okay. Yeah. All (laughs) right. In this hour, Tales of the Texas Rangers. It's a really great series because these were true crime cases. These were uh, from closed cases of the ta- from the Texas Rangers. And Stacy Keach's dad, Stacy Keach Sr., created this series. He used to office with Jack Webb. They had adjoining offices, and Jack Webb, of course, created Dragnet, and that was a huge success. And then uh, um, Jack said, "Hey, you should do something like Dragnet," and he was like, "How about with Texas Rangers?" And so, there it is. really, it's like. A lot like Dragnet, but it was with the Texas Rangers, and they got a big name in Joel McRae, the star, as Ranger Jace Pearson. So we'll have an episode for you in just a bit. And but then, first, uh, oh yeah, but first. but a little later than it's Lux Radio Theater, right? We have, so yeah, right. But first, we have um, guess that song, okay? And we're having a little from trouble from the eighteen seventies. You're having a little trouble with the nineteen sixties. So next weekend, I have agreed to do disco. Okay. But tonight, you're going to have to pull yourself back to 1961 for these next two songs. Okay. And I feel really good that you're going to know this. I know I always say it, but both of these I'm songs... I'm glad you feel really good about it. I feel really good that you're going to know these. Both of these songs are extremely popular and are just top top songs that you absolutely will know. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to be giving away a Luma Lottie's gift certificate, and we're looking for caller number six. You can call right now at 312-981-7200-1961. We'll be right back. Guess that song. We have Nancy on the phone. Nancy, I really need you, okay? Hi, Lisa and Carl. I'm so glad to talk to you. Hi, Nancy. Excuse me, I think I'm getting a cold. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we but won't catch you. I'm really we... <laughs> happy about your extended hours, and I also wanted to tell both of you have a very Merry Christmas. Aw, thanks, Nancy. Thank you. The same to you. Appreciate we hope you have it. great you holidays. Feel better. And it's a good good time of year. Get some good rest and we're gonna you're gonna have a pizza. So if you don't feel good, you can sit in bed and have a great Lou Melotti's pizza, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right, I need you, okay? This is nineteen sixty one. Carl's having a little trouble. So I'm 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 hoping that you're gonna help us out, okay? I'm gonna try. All right, here's song number one. Just a- All right. Okay. You she know knows that it. One? Yeah, she knows it. Is it Mr. Postman? Yes. yes. Sh- Carl's like, yes, Carl has no idea what I he's knew talking it. about. Let's hear it. <laughs> this is a marvelous. Played the drums on this song. He was 22 at the time and trying to break into the business. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So far, so good. We've got another great song. You listen up to Carl, but I've got faith in Nancy. Let's do this. All right. Do you know that one? It's the road. Jack. It's the road. Jack. Yeah, Ray Charles. Nancy. Let's hear it. Well, I guess if you said so, I better have to pack my things and go. This is Ray Charles at the Road Jack. This was the winner of the 1961 Grammy for Best Male Rhythm and Blues recording. You did great, Nancy. Wow. Thank you for showing Carl up well, a little I was bit. A little nervous. 
I was a little nervous because I was only 11 years old. <laughs> well, you know, I try to pick songs that people know, but, you know, Carl's having a little trouble with this era. You are the winner. You've won a Lou Malnati's gift certificate for $25. Lou Malnati's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza. Find one of their 40-plus Chicagoland locations or order online at com. And it's almost as good, maybe even better than chicken soup when you're not feeling good. Way to go. <laughs> Thank you. So Great job. Thank you. I hope you feel better. Happy, happy. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Nancy. Bye, Nancy. All right. Text in line, 312-981-7200. We love getting your texts, and we love playing classic radio shows for you. And we have one for you now, Tales of the Texas Rangers. Uh, this, starred J- uh, this starred Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. He was, the, he was sort of the Sergeant Joe Friday in every one of these episodes. It was created by Stacy Keats Sr., ran from 1950 until 1952, was not as popular as Dragnet, but... You're going to like it. Very good show. Let's tune this in. Uh, part one. Uh, no, actually, we're going to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, we listen to the whole thing. Uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. Christmas show from December 23rd, 1951, called The Return of St. Nick or The Christmas Payoff. Both uh, both episodes, uh, both titles work. Here's Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. <laughs> of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Dates and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Christmas Payoff. It is 4 p.m. on the afternoon of December 25th, 1940, in the small West Texas town of Rockfield. In his office, Dr. Edward Hartley and his nurse are just clearing up after treating an emergency case, which has taken the doctor away from his family on this Christmas day. Doctor, before I leave, would you like me to stay? Alice, I would just like you to scoot on home where you should have been hours ago. And what about you? Now, I think it's a shame. The one day in the year, family should be together and you have an emergency. Well, anyway, old Mrs. Thompson will feel a lot better now for the holidays. Pretty nasty infection. Mm-hmm. Guess doctoring's the one business can't be run by a time clock. And nursing's a part of doctoring, so I leave when you do. <laughs> Trapped. Sure would have loved to spend the whole day with the youngsters, though. No, they probably won't even let you back in the house. Well, Christmas got them so excited, I don't think they even know I'm gone. Oh, by the way, you sure you won't have supper with us? I'd love to, Doctor, but... Oh, no. Huh? What's the matter? Doctor, you come over the window for a minute? Not another patient. I think so. Oh, well, guess the Christmas tree can wait a little longer. Who is it? I don't know. Here, look. That man just getting out of the car. I recognize him. That arm must be in pretty bad shape. Bandage clear to the elbow. And why didn't he come in two hours ago? Hmm? 
What do you mean? That man was sitting in that car two hours ago. Only he was parked in front of the house next door. I wonder... Come away from there. What, Doctor, what's... I don't want him to see you. Now, go on. What else? Well, just an hour later, when I took Mrs. Thompson out to her car, he was still there. And he meant it. He really meant it. Doctor, what is it? Alice... Now, listen to me. Don't ask any questions. I want you to get in the supply closet and stay there. What? Whatever you do, don't make a sound. No matter what happens out here, don't give yourself away. You understand me? Your life depends on it. What is it? Why don't we call the sheriff? I'm going to. Now, hurry. Hurry into the closet. And remember, not a sound. I should have known it had come. I didn't know when. Come on, come on. Operator, this is Doc Hartley. Listen carefully. I have to speak quietly. Get the sheriff to my office as quick as you can. And don't call back. Just get him out here. I can't stall any longer. Come in. Just a minute. Here goes. Yes? You're Doc Hartley? That's right. Well, can I come in? Oh, of course. Come in. Uh, no, that, that's the supply closet. My dispensary is this way. Mm-hmm. Now, if you'll just get up on the table. Uh, would you like to lie down? More comfortable for that arm. I'll sit. That's a lot of bandaging. What did you do to that hand? I think maybe I sprained it. You're the doc. Suppose you tell me. Huh. Always work this slow, doc? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Where's your nurse? She's gone home a long time ago. Not even supposed to be working today. This is Christmas, you know. Yeah, I know. Why don't you pull the last of the bandage off, Doc? Don't you want to see my hand? I know what's in it. Then I'll do it myself. There. See? There's your Christmas present, Doc, in my fist. Nice 38. Don't you want it, Doc? Why are you doing this? Why? Maybe I shouldn't give it to you. You guessed what it was. Spoiled my surprise. Ah, you look like a nice guy. I'll give it to you anyway. Look at me, Doc. You know what it's for. You get your... Merry Christmas, Doc. Sheriff Lon McGill, on arriving at the scene of the crime, found Dr. Hartley dead and Nurse Alice Leonard in a state of physical collapse. He immediately asked for the help of the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned, joining the sheriff at the doctor's office a short while later. Photographer will be out of your way in a minute, Jace. The nurse I told you about is in the other room. Maybe you want to talk to her first. Yeah, thanks, Sheriff. She's still as bad off she was. Oh, she's some better now. It's a rough thing for a woman to have to go through. Yeah, plenty rough. In here, Jason. Uh, Alice. Alice, this is Ranger Pearson. It's Alice Leonard, Jace. Been Doc Hartley's nurse for six years. Howdy, ma'am. I, I'm sorry. I just can't seem to get a hold of myself. I know how you must feel, ma'am, but you'll be helping a lot by answering a few questions. I tried. Fine. Sheriff here has given me what you told him, so I won't put you through that again. Just want to clear up a few things. 
You know of anyone who might have wanted Doc dead? Oh, what sort of person would want that? Doctor was a wonderful man. Never had an enemy in his life. Sheriff, he'll tell you that. That's right, Jace. Doc was a real popular man in this town. I never heard a word against him. Friend didn't put him where he is now, Sheriff. Ma'am, you say you saw the killer's face? Yes, through the keyhole. You think you'd recognize him if you saw him again? Yes, I'm sure I would. Good. Now, from their conversation, would you say the doctor knew this man? No. Yet when he saw him through the window, he made you hide in the closet. Yes, that's right. He say anything at all about the man? No. Wait. Wait, I remember now he said something about... He meant it. He meant it? Yes. What is it, ma'am? I just remembered something, a note. What note, Alice? Well, a few weeks ago, the doctor got a letter. I opened it because I take care of his mail. Go on. Inside was just a piece of paper with words cut out from newspapers, pasted to it. It said the payoff is soon. What did the doctor say when he saw it? Well, he just laughed, said it was some sort of joke. But I caught him sitting and staring at it a few times after that. You know where that letter is? Well, I think it's in his desk. Miss Leonard... You remember anything about the car this man drove? No. Just that it was black, a sedan. Oh, and the front fender had a big dent in it. I remember I could see it from the office window. I think that'll do for now, ma'am. You go home and try and get some rest. Uh, tell the deputy I said to drive you home, Alice. I will. I hope you find the matter, business. I hope you find him. Poor woman. She was mighty fond of the doc, Jase. Must have spent some bad minutes in that closet. Yeah, the doc had a couple of bad minutes, too, Sheriff. Uh, the photographer must be finished in there by now. Let's take a look. Nothing's been touched in there, Jase. Everything's just the way we found it. Thought you'd want it that way. Thanks, Sheriff. Let's have a look at the doc. Yeah, I'll just whip the sheet off him here. Shot at close range, all right. Powder burns. The angle of the shot seemed to bear out the nurse's story. Ballistics will fill us in later. Let's have a look at this desk. Okay, Jace. Well, there's not much on this side, Jace. What's the matter? Drawer full of Christmas candies. That'll be a nice Christmas for those poor kids. Hey, wait a minute, Jace. I think this is what you want. And that's it. The payoff is soon. No envelope with it? Mm. I reckon Doc threw that away. It'd be a tough one to trace. Cheap paper, the message in newspaper captions. It's used a lot for blackmail because it's so hard to run down. Well, where to now, Jace? Has the Doc's wife been told about this yet? No. Been holding off. I sure don't relish it, none. Those kids and all. Let's tell her together then, Sheriff. It's a little easier that way. Thanks, Jase. Anything more we can do here? No, but before we go, I want to check on that black sedan with a smashed front fender. See if it's on the stolen car list. Sure thing. If you can spare a couple of deputies, Sheriff, I'd like them to do a house-to-house -house on this street. Maybe somebody else got a look at that car or the killer. It's a good idea, Jase. There's not much to go on, is there? There's enough. They always leave enough. And this is one killer I want, Sheriff. I want him bad. 
the smashed front fender was on the stolen car list. We finished our calls and left. Fifteen minutes later, we stood in front of a large, neat house on a well-kept street. Staring at the front door, Doc Hartley would never open again. Through the parlor window, we could see three laughing kids and proud grandparents around a Christmas tree. It was a rough doorbell to ring. Oh, I'm sorry. I was expecting my husband. Oh, Sheriff McKill. Howdy, Miss Hartley. Can we come in? Oh, why, of course. Please do. I imagine you want to see Ed. I'm I'm sorry. He had an emergency. But if you like, Mrs. I can... Mrs. Hartley, this is Ranger Pearson. Howdy, ma'am. <laughs> Hello, Ranger. Pleased to meet you. Ma'am, can we speak to you privately? I mean, in another room away from them. Of course. Come in here. Well, what is it? Ma'am, it's best to say it quickly. Your husband, he's been killed. Oh, no. Here, you better sit down, Miss Hartley. I'm sorry, ma'am. How did it happen? He was shot, ma'am, by a man who came in asking for treatment. I want to find that man, Mrs. Hartley. I... I know how you feel at a time like this, but if you could answer a few questions, it'd help. I'll try. Has anyone threatened your husband that you know of? Did he seem worried lately? No. Did anyone call him today beside the woman he went to treat? Just a man. What man? A little past noon, the phone rang. Some man asked for my husband. I told him he was at the office on an emergency, and he just hung up. You recognize the voice, Mrs. Hartley? No. Just one more question, ma'am. Do you know of anyone who had a grudge against the doctor who would have wanted this to happen? No. Nobody. Nobody except... Except who? Oh, I was thinking of that man, the, the one he sent to prison. Sent to prison, ma'am? I think I can explain that, Jace. Uh, you mean that Nixon thing, Miss Hartley? Yes. Well, it happened a couple of years back, Jace. A fellow named Al Nixon robbed the payroll of a gas-cracking plant about 40 miles from here. Shot during the getaway, though. Came through here and forced Doc Hartley to treat him at gunpoint. You know what kind of stretch they gave him, Sheriff? No, I don't remember. You see, that was before I was sheriff. I was living at the other end of the county then. Well, anyway, seems Doc somehow sneaked a phone call while he was treating Nixon, and the police got him. Isn't that right, Miss Hartley? Yes. They sent him to Huntsville. Mrs. Hartley, I'm sorry to put you through this. We're going to leave now. Is there anything we can do for you? Nothing. There's nothing anyone can do. How will I tell the children? Oh, <laughs> Call from KTXA ought to be in any minute now, Sheriff. I still don't see why you ask him for that rundown on Nixon, Jace. You thinking maybe he's out? I don't know, Sheriff, but I sure want to find out. 
Nixon's got a real good motive for this killing. Well, I got to go with you on that. But... Now, hold it, Joe. That's it. Unit 10. Unit 10 to KTXA. Go ahead. Have information you requested. Al Nixon sentenced life term Huntsville Penitentiary December 1937. Money from gas cracking plant payroll never recovered. 10 4, Unit 10 clear. KTXA Austin. Well, that kind of kills that, don't it, Jason? Man with the best motive of all is serving life at Huntsville. Mm, still too good to pass by, Sheriff. What do you mean? Look, Nixon may be in Huntsville for life, but that doesn't change his motive. It's still good. So good I want to see him. I'm going to Huntsville in the morning. morning, I left Nurse Alice Leonard with the sheriff to begin the long job of trying to pick a killer's picture out of the gallery. Then I headed for Huntsville. I wasn't in the visiting room five minutes when Nixon was brought in. A brutal-looking little man who shuffled forward and sat across the table from me, waiting for me to talk. My name's Pearson, Nixon. Ranger Pearson. Uh, what do you want, a medal? Remembering your name? I want some answers. <laughs> And if I don't get into you, you'll have me arrested, huh? <laughs> you remember Dr. Hartley, Nixon? Yeah. Yeah, I remember him. Look around. Ain't this good reason to remember him? He didn't put you here. You put yourself here. Hartley put me here. Oh, but don't you worry ahead about me, Ranger. I'll make out. Yeah. You worry about Hartley. Hartley's dead, Nixon. You, you mean that? He's dead. Shot to death. <laughs> Something funny, Nixon? Sure, sure. Don't you get it? He put me in here, now he's dead, but I'm still alive. <laughs> oh, you cops, you're all so smart, ain't you? Sure, sure, you got me, but you never got the money. And best of all, Hartley is dead. You're in the right place, Nixon. Uh, uh, so that's why you're here, huh? Maybe I killed him, huh? <laughs> Sure, sure. I'll confess. I just walked through the walls, knocked him off, and flew back like a bird. <laughs> yeah. One call for you, Ranger. You can take it in the office. All right, guard. Thanks. Is Rose Nixon? <laughs> yeah, you can have him. This way. Hey, Ranger, arrest me. I killed him. I killed him. In there, Ranger. Thanks. Hello? Sheriff McGill, Jace. How are you making out? Cold trail, Sheriff. Nixon's no help. How'd you come out? Nurse picked out a picture, Jace. Swears it's him. Fellow named Lou Crowder. You run a make on him? I sure did. He did the last two years in Huntsville. Released a week ago. Beginning to fit, Sheriff. Any more on that car? I was just coming to that. They found it about a hundred miles from here. Abandoned in some brush just outside of Crest City. I want to see that car, Sheriff. Tell him to hold it where it is. As soon as I talk to the warden, I'm heading for Crest City. Want to meet me there? Sure thing, Jace. Meet you at the hotel. Never can tell what's coming, Sheriff. That cold trail's all warmed up again. I had my talk with the warden and then met the sheriff in Crest City. As we headed for the spot where the abandoned car had been found, I kept thinking of Doc's wife and her three small kids. I was getting closer to a killer, and I liked it. 
Oh, I don't know, Jason. No matter how I figure it, there's always a couple of loose ends. Well, then try this, Sheriff. Al Nixon is doing life for a payroll robbery, and he's convinced it's Doc Hartley's fault. Now, that payroll was never found because Nixon hid it someplace before they got him. Yeah, I follow that far, Jason. In Huntsville with Nixon was Lou Crowder. Now, Nixon knew he wasn't ever going to get to use that money, so suppose he made a deal with Crowder. Crowder could have it if he killed Doc Hartley. But what was to stop Crowder from just digging up the money and not killing the Doc? Now, Nixon's too smart for that, Sheriff. Probably set it up so he'd let Crowder know where the money is after he was sure of Doc's death. Yeah. Ed figures all right. But how would he let Crowder know? By letter, Sheriff. The warden told me Nixon's already written Crowder three times. What good would that do? All mail coming out of Huntsville is censored, Jase. I know, but the two men had plenty of time to rig a code when they were together in the pen. Then a letter could be the answer. That's right. Yeah, the highway patrol car up ahead must be where the car is. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. Howdy. Howdy, fellas. There's a car, Jase, just behind this brush. Jace, even if your figuring's right, what do you reckon this car is going to tell us? Just one thing, Sheriff. That's it. I don't get it, Jace. You will. Look, would Crowder want to hang around a town he'd killed a man in? No, reckon not. But if he's expecting a letter from Nixon... He's got a light someplace to get it. What are you driving at? Put this together. This car's still in running order. Crowder didn't have to leave it. That makes Crest City a pretty good bet for the place the letter's going to be picked up. But what if Crowder's already picked the letter up? Uh, it's not likely. Nixon didn't even know about the killing until I told him today. And he'd want to be sure before he paid off. What if Nixon double-crosses Crowder? Suppose he don't send the letter telling where the money is. He'll send it, Sheriff. I got a good look at Nixon's face when I told him Doc was dead. He'll send it. Back in Crest City, the postmaster agreed to notify us the minute he got any letter postmarked Huntsville without giving it out. The very next day, the letter was there. A man had come in for it but was told it hadn't arrived. The postmaster noticed the man was driving a car with a horse trailer attached. I got my horse trailer, and we set the trap in the post office the next morning. Well, that's Crowder, all right, Jason. He got the letter. Shall we take him? No. Hold it, Sheriff. What's the matter? I don't want to take a chance. He's probably armed. Some of these people may get hurt. Well, what are you going to do? Give him a lead and tail him. All right. Let's move up the front door and see where he goes. He just got in that car, Jason. Yeah. The one with the trailer. He's pulling out. Come on. You reckon he'll head straight for that money? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He's not pulling that horse trailer for nothing. He must be heading someplace. He can't use a car. It's all right with me. We'll get him, Sheriff. Wherever he goes, we'll get him. Almost three hours, we trailed Crowder by car, never getting too near him, just pinpointing him. When the country got rough, he left his car and switched to the horse he'd been pulling. So did we. 
We gave him a bigger lead and just followed his tracks. Awful rough climb, Jace. You sure we're following him? I don't see any tracks. I'm following them all right, Sheriff. Didn't you just see that turned rock, moist on one side? A hoof did that. Beats me how you spot him. Hold it, Sheriff. Oh, oh, oh. It's a drop-off just ahead. I want to look. See anything, Jace? Shh. Hold it. He's just over the drop, about 20 feet. Is he digging, Jace? Better than that, Sheriff. He's found it already. Now, look, Sheriff. He's in a dead-end canyon. I'm going down after him. You cut along this ridge and close in from the base. All right, Jace, but be careful. Come on, boy. Crowder! Get your hands up. You'll never take me, Copper! That's a warning, Crowder. Next one will be through your head. Now throw your gun away. All right. All right, don't shoot. You see, my hands are up. Keep them there. Look, look, Ranger. There's 30,000 bucks here. I'll make a deal with you. Take half the money. Just give me a chance. Like the chance you gave, Doc? You're not going to get that money. No, you don't. <laughs> give me that knife. <laughs> you all right, Greg? <laughs> yeah. I'm all right, Sheriff. You were taking an awful chance that way, Jason. I know it, Sheriff. I had a bad minute there when I saw his knife glint in the sun. Thought you'd have to gun him for sure. I didn't want it that way. I had to take Crowder alive, Sheriff. He's my Christmas present to the warden of Huntsville. In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. On February 3rd, 1941, Al Nixon was removed from Huntsville Penitentiary to stand trial along with Lou Crowder for the premeditated murder of Dr. Hartley. Both men were found guilty... The sentence, death in the electric chair. This is Joel McRae, folks. I just want to say I hope you'll all have a happy holiday season and many more to come. See you next week. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. The cast included Tony Barrett, Lillian Byam, Whitfield Connor, Lou Krugman, Michael Ann Barrett, and Farley Bear. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Anthony Barrett, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Next, it's the big show. All this and Tallulah 2 on NBC. All right, Tales of the Texas Rangers from December 23rd, 1951, The Christmas Payoff, starring Joel McRae. True crime story, and uh, I was heard on NBC with Stacy Keach Sr. as the producer-director on that episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Did you like it, Lisa? I did, Carl. Yeah. Yeah. We're playing all Christmas shows all the way to Christmas I'm right here. I'm enjoying the whole Christmas theme, too. Yeah, and We're you know what? It. I think it's Christmas Day 
they're going to run 24 yeah. hours worth of Christmas classic radio yeah, shows. Yeah, just right up our alley. Oh, man. So if you love this show, you are going to love WGN on yeah, Christmas Day. I think they're going to run all Christmas yep. programming. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Throughout this holiday season, remember and pray for the men and women in our military, their families, and our veterans. This salute courtesy of a concerned citizen, John Wadzita, serving the U.S. Postal Service for over 38 years. John Wadzita is on the air saluting our troops. All right. Way to go, John. And I do like saluting our troops. And um, you know what, Lisa? What? Christmas is right around the corner. I know. I can't believe it. And uh, we exchanged gifts. We, we did got that some tonight. gifts. Oh, man. Lisa. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> I like did, my gifts. What did you get, Mike gave me. Mike gave me a gift card for dinner and a movie. Right. And I'm trying to think. I really want to see the new Clint Eastwood movie. That sounds. Yeah. I wanted to see, you know, you know, on. Okay. You know how I. Okay. What? <laughs> I want to see Uncut Gems. Is that What's the type that? of. That's the new Adam Sandler movie. And I'm not a Uncut big. Uncut Gems? I've never think, heard of I it. I think that's what it's called. Now I'm having doubts, but I think that's what it's called. He's like a. Yeah, it's like a crime thriller. He's a diamond. Uh, wholesaler or something and they say that you know i've never been an adam sandler fan never never really? never i like adam but sandler. but this is supposed to be the pinnacle of his career and this is supposed to really, really? show his acting chops like he's never shown so it's before. not like a comedy it's a more no, of a drama a, yeah it's like really? a crime mystery i think mm. now i'm gonna look and make sure that's the title of it i'll tell you the best but, adam sandler movie of all time well you ready? then you haven't seen this one yet wait but. ready for this don't yeah. mess with the Zohan. Yeah. It's, have you ever seen that? No. Oh, man. Don't mess with the Zohan. That is one of the best Adam Sandler movies of all time. Hilarious. All right. Well, this is called Uncut Gems. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so there you go. All that's, right. That's so the it's next a movie. drama. I think it's a, like a crime thriller. Wow. Yeah. It's going right. to be great. It's going to be one of the big Christmas movies that's uh, well, going to garner a lot new, of attention. The new Clint Eastwood movie is coming out or it's out. Yeah. Richard Jewell. Yep. I want to see that. I, I just watched that the trailer great. for that today. I mean, pretty much anything he does is so I good. Watched, uh, you know what I watched last night on demand is that new Jennifer Lopez, not new, just the, the Jennifer Lopez movie that she was nominated for a Golden Globe. Where she's Globe. a stripper? Hustler. Yeah. Yeah. How was it? It's just okay. Just all right? Yeah. I, I like Jennifer, if Jennifer Lopez. You know, she said. listens to the show, you know. Well, she's a great uh, singer and dancer and actor, but it wasn't my favorite movie. She's That's a big all. fan of classic radio. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. She um, loves the show. Well, I and I so. loved her movie. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually a very good actress. She's great at everything. And you know what? She's gorgeous. She was gorgeous in this movie. She's a beautiful woman. It's really hard to look away from There's her. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Very, very pretty girl. Um, but she's not going to go on the cruise with us. Well, how do you know? Uh, Did you invite I her? I asked her. Her and uh, A-Rod are busy that week. Alex? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Her and A-Rod are busy that week. Okay. August 1st, to, uh, 2020. Right. We're all going on a cruise, Well, who folks. is we all? Is she well, coming or is um, she not coming? No, she's not. All right. But we're going to be there, and a lot of our listeners are going. Well, we're going I'm to going Bermuda. To yeah. So, folks, if you have, uh, I mean, you're going to go on vacation anyway, so why not come with us to Bermuda? Well, not everybody goes on vacation, but this is a really a special vacation because 
it's all on the cruise. So you can spend as much time on the cruise with the entertainment and the food and the cocktail parties and the classic radio fun, or you can get out and explore Bermuda or do a little bit of both. So it's really very self Two islands. Okay. Two islands, St. George and Hamilton. We're going for seven nights, and it goes on Oceana Cruises, and um, it's called Insignia. You can check it out. We're working with a travel agency who got us a really special rate. Um, I'm going to give you their number. Give them a call. Ask them all the questions, and we hope that you'll join us. Uh, their number at Keen Luxury Travel is 800-856-1155. Hmm. Mm. What's it again? 800 I'm writing it down. I bet you are. 1-800. Okay, you're slow. 1-800. I didn't say one, but 800-856-1155. You're confusing me. 1155. You got it. Or you can just go to com. That's our official website. And scroll down, and you will see the banner. Right. right, click on it. And you know what I was looking at today? I was looking at our Facebook page, and I don't do Facebook. You know I, that. I know that. But I was looking at our Facebook <laughs> page, and we have like almost 4,000 Facebook friends. Right. And I think that's pretty darn good. Well, you know what? I've been working really hard at, you know, keeping up to date and posting and responding to our listeners and really keeping it as a way that you can stay in touch with us and know what's going on at the radio show. So do us a favor. Do us a real big favor, folks. If you are a Facebook uh, person, if you go on Facebook, <laughs> um, go to our Facebook page. We would really appreciate it if you'd like us. We'd like to build our likes, but I mean, we're, I mean, 3,800 people is pretty good. And it's, like but, I said, it's a really good way also to communicate with us. Yeah, I always, help us um, build our Facebook. I always write back, and it's a great way to check out our schedule, any last minute changes. You can check out our fun facts, see some photos. So it's, just go to Facebook and, and uh, search WGN Radio Theater, right? Right. Yeah, and, and uh, please like us. Let's build our likes a little bit. All right, in our next hour, we're going to tune into the first half of an hour-long Lux Radio Theater presentation of Miracle of the Bells. That's going to be great. We'll, we'll listen to it in two parts because it's an hour-long show. And uh, Fred McMurray, Frank Sinatra, and Valley starring it from the movie. So don't miss it. Stick around right here on WGN. All right, 108 in the morning, and thanks for staying up late with us. We're here till 3 a.m., playing all your favorite classic radio shows. We're on the air Saturday nights, 10 p.m. until 3 o'clock in the morning, unless the, uh, there's sports and we get preempted. And that happens once in a while. But our regular time slot, 10 p.m. till 3 o'clock in the morning, five hours, Saturday nights. And if we are preempted and starting late, we always post that on the face, or I always post it on our Facebook page. So that's the best place to go and check and see what our schedule is for the weekend. All right. So in this right. hour, we're going to have the first half of an hour-long Lux Radio Theater Christmas story, Miracle of the Bells, starring Fred McMurray, Frank Sinatra, and Valley from 1948. We will play that hour-long show in two parts, uh, two unter- uninterrupted parts. So we're going to have a half hour in this hour and then a half hour in our next hour. Right, and you can check out our Facebook page. And the fun fact uh, is a big poster for the movie, which had the same uh, actors as in the radio show. Yes, they did. 
So before that, we are going to play our game and guess that song. And we have moved on to 1962, the year before you were born. So you're safe on this one. Yeah. Um, Carl needs some help. I might have been in the womb when this was playing. That's true. You might have heard it and not even realized it. Right. But Osmosis through the womb. If you don't know these songs, I, I will just eat my hat if I had one because these are... These are your bigger than Your floppy hat that you're going to wear on the cruise? Hat, my, my cruise floppy hat. Um, Carl definitely needs some help. So I need a caller, 312-981-7200. You will be winning a desktop indoor weather station from American Weather Makers. Those are so cool. And I'm looking for caller number three. So I need somebody, 1962, who can help Carl out. Really, I promise they're easy. Uh, give us a call. We'll be right back. Guess that song. We are going to do that. We're going to guess that song. I'm sure of it. And we have Adrian on the phone to help us out. Hi, Adrian. Hello. I'm so surprised. I was a third caller. I am so happy that it's you. And um, we're going to need a little help with 1962. Yo, Adrian. Yo, Adrian. You made it. <laughs> She's never heard that before. Yeah, I'm sure. Matt, you were the first. <laughs> well, they, they call me Grandma Hawk. Oh, <laughs> well, nice to have you on the show, Adrian. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Oh, I love listening to you guys. Thanks so much. Well, now you can listen to you on the show because yeah. you're going to be our 1962 helper, and clearly Carl's going to need a little uh-huh. assistance. I need a lot of help. Okay. Well, I was, I was 12 years old, and, and I knew the last four, so I'm hoping oh, I'm going to... you're going to do it. Me. You'll get it. All right. We're going to see how you can do. I have a good feeling about this. We're going to play the first song right now. My little baby Oh, I know this one. I'm not talking the to you. Yeah, the locomotion. Yeah, do the locomotion with Let's me. Let's hear it. So come on, come on and do the locomotion with me. There we go. So this is little Ava. Um, but in 1974, which is the one you're thinking of, this became a number one U.S. hit for Grand Funk, who did a rock version of this song. Oh, yeah. Oh, good, Adrian. Way to go, Adrian. Okay, we've got one more to go. Pressure's on. Here we go. I'll always be true. So, love, love me, dear. There it is. Yeah, Let's hear she it. knows it. I'll always be true. So please love me, too. <laughs> singing a little bit like Elvis. <laughs> of course, this is the Beatles, and John Lennon and Paul McCartney wrote this song in 1958 when John was 17 and Paul was 16. Oh, my god! Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. Adrian. And I, saw, I saw them at Comiskey Park. I wow. was in the first row of the upper deck. You couldn't hear a thing, and I kept thinking I was going to get pushed over the railing, but I was there. Oh, wow. That is That's a memory awesome. for sure. Wow. Oh, that is fantastic. And you know what? You were fantastic on the show. You have won the desktop indoor weather station. I have it. It is a great tool. It's, well, it's not really a tool, but it's a little tech machine brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60 Minute Men. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. You will love your weather station. And thank you so much for being such a great player with us this Way morning. Way to go, Adrian. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adrian. And I love listening to you guys. Aw, thank you.
Thank you. It's so nice All to right. talk to you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. All right. She's a big winner. And, uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to listen to some uh, Lux Radio Theater. I think so. That'd be great. We're going to do that in this hour and the next hour. All right. Lux Radio Theater, Miracle of the Bells, Fred McMurray, Frank Sinatra, Valley. Let's go back to May 31st, 1948. Here's the first half uninterrupted on the Lux Radio Theater. Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater. Starring Fred McMurray, Valley, and Frank Sinatra in The Miracle of the Bells. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. It's not often that you can see the film version of a book on the screen that's still on the bestseller list throughout the country. And it's not often that we can broadcast the screenplay of a story that's still being read in thousands, if not millions, of homes. But such is our good fortune tonight with Lasky McEwen's current film production of Russell Janney's book, The Miracle of the Bells. And we bring it to you now with three great stars... Fred McMurray as Bill Dunnigan, Valley as Olga, and Frank Sinatra as Father Paul. A few moments ago, an eastbound train paused momentarily in a small Pennsylvania town. One passenger got off. While from the baggage car, a coffin was quickly unloaded and placed in an awaiting hearse. You, Mr. Dunnigan? Yes. I'm the undertaker, Mr. Dunnigan. Nick Orloff. Might as well ride with me back to Coal Town. Thank you. You, uh, you the husband of the deceased? No, I'm, I'm just a friend. Mm. Quite surprised when I got your telegram. Never had a client from Hollywood before. Uh, the name of the deceased, Mr. Dunnigan... Olga Treskovna. That was her professional name. She was an actress. But she come from Coaltown, huh? What was her real name? Olga Trocky. Trocky? Stan Trocky's kid? That's right. Three years ago, I gave Stan Trocky a first-class $100 funeral. You think she paid me? Not a penny. Not one cent. What are you stopping here for? I ain't burying any more deadbeats until they pay up. You mean now? Right now. All right, Mr. Orloff. But it was a $90 funeral, not a hundred. She paid you ten, she told me. Here, give me twenty dollars change. Oh, no. What about the extras? Flowers and six pallbearers at two bucks apiece. I'm a respectable businessman. I never cheated nobody. When I say a hundred bucks, it's a hundred bucks. My mistake, Mr. Orloff, not noticing your fine qualities. Now get us to Coal Town. It's all right, Olga. You'll be home soon. Why anyone should want to come back to this flea-bitten end of the world, I don't know. But that's what you wanted. And it's all I can do for you, kid. Ride with you and tell you that I love you. That's what's driving me crazy. That I waited till now to tell you. I love you, Olga. I guess I loved you the first time I saw your face. I'll never forget how I happened to meet you. I'd heard Tommy Elmore was rehearsing a new review. And as long as I was in the neighborhood... 
What are you Danes trying to do to me? You, you, what's your name? Olga Triscovich. Well, look, Olga, I'm sorry, but I haven't time for beginners. Come back when you've learned something. Mr. Elmer, please. No, no, I'm sorry, but this show's got to go on in four days. Let me try again. Please give me another chance. Go on, Tommy, give the kid a break. Huh? Who's that? Bill. Bill Dunnigan. How are you, Tommy? Just thought I'd drop in and say hello. Hey, uh, can you get out of here? I'll buy you a drink. Girls, meet the world's greatest press agent. Bill, meet the world's worst chorus. Hiya, girls. Hi. Okay, ladies, take half an hour. If you've been watching them, Bill, you know I could use a drink. <laughs> hey, uh, Tommy, do me a favor, huh? huh? Yeah, shoot, pal. Let the piano player work with that kid. He'll have her dancing like Pablo in no time. You know her? Oh, I just like her face. She looks like she needs the job. Come on, Tommy, give her a break. Okay. Freddie, see what you can do with Alga. I'll be back in 30 minutes. Thank you. Thank you. No, never mind the thanks. Just learn that routine. Oh, I will. I will. That's where it began, Olga. And this is where it ends. In Orloff's funeral parlor. You're back in Coal Town, baby. Now, if you'll just sit down, Mr. Dunnigan. Well, sir... We can give it a fine funeral for 150 bucks. Of course, pallbearers will be extra. Get them. Two bucks apiece. Now, about the church. First thing for me to do is fix it up with Father Spinsky. So just make yourself comfortable, Mr. Dunnigan. Be back as soon as I see you. What a sap I was, baby. Walking out of that theater with Tommy Elmore not seeing you again for a whole year. And then only by accident. That tank town in Iowa, Christmas Eve, and me wondering how to kill time till my train left. I walked down Main Street, and there was your picture in the lobby with the rest of the cast. The show was over, but I took a chance you'd still be in your dressing room. Mr. Donegan. <laughs> You've got a good memory. Oh, come in, come in. Oh, I've wanted so to see you. This is the most exciting thing that could have happened. I wanted to see you to thank you. I've never forgotten how kind you were. <laughs> then you finally learned that dance routine, huh? I became so good in the chorus that now I'm a great dramatic actress. Oh? It's not a good play, and I don't have a good part. But I love it, and I'm so grateful to you. But what are you doing in Iowa? I'm an advance man for a road show. Well, I, I see you're ready to leave. You've got a date, huh? I just wanted to drop in and say hello. Oh, I, I don't have any date, Mr. Donegan. You're not going anywhere? Just to the hotel. I suppose you're with friends. I won't keep you, Mr. Dannigan. The name is Bill, and you are going somewhere with me. Are you hungry? Yes. Wonderful. There may, must be some restaurant in town that's still open. Come on, let's find it. Walking with you in the snow, I felt as though I were drunk and didn't know what it was. I didn't know that I'd feel the same everywhere and every time I was with you. We finally found a Chinese restaurant. It was deserted. But old Ming Gao seemed to think we were very special customers. You shouldn't have gone to all that trouble, Minga. But how delicious everything was. Uh, after all, it is Christmas. And you say you are strangers here. Who met purely by accident. No. Uh, no accident. I believe these things are all written. And we just follow the script, huh? <laughs> yes, we follow. Uh, maybe you will tell me something, young lady. Uh, your name. Olga Trocki, alias Olga Triskovna. Trocki, huh? Olga... When did you first decide to be an actress? When I was a little girl, I think. In a place called Coaltown, Little Poland. Oh, near Wilkesbury? Yes. Coaltown killed my mother. My father, too. My father was very sweet and kind. He played the accordion and sang. 
And he used to say to me when he had a hangover, which was most of the time, go away someplace, Olga, and sing and dance and act and be happy. So you followed his advice? Except I'm nobody. But I'll be ready when my chance comes. I think maybe in Hollywood. (laughs) Not so fast, baby. What you need is a couple of years in stock. You've got a lot to learn. I haven't time for all that, Bill. I want to get there quickly. And when I am a big star and the interviewers ask me, how did this great success come to you, Olga Toskovna? I'll tell them it came from Bill Dunnigan, who once said, give the kid a break. Well, I I think we'd better go, Bill. It's late. Yeah. Uh, Let's have the check, Ming. No, no check. Oh, no check. Come on, come on. We ate the whole restaurant. (laughs) Please... Let this humble meal be my gift to the two guests from far away. Well, thanks, Ming. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Oh, wait. This is for you, Mingao. It's nothing, just a little religious medal, St. Michael, the Archangel. Will you take it, please? I am very grateful. St. Michael, huh? What's his specialty? Fighting for God. He is a very gallant saint, Bill. Uh, I will carry it and hope for your great success. Good night, Mingao. Well, it stopped snowing. Yes. And look up there. Bill, look. Look up there. Are the stars? Yes. Do you see over there where that V-shaped cluster is? Now, just to the right of it. Oh, yeah. See that bright one? Yeah. It's mine. My star. Yours, huh? <laughs> My father told me that star appeared for the first time the night I was born. Well, could be. It's there every night to remind me of where I'm going. I'm being very silly. I won't see you again for a long time, maybe. Will you accept a Christmas present from a strange lady? My star up there. I'll give you half. Yes, Bill. Half is for you. Why didn't I say something to you then? But no, not a word. Not even where can I write you, where will you be? No, no. Old Clammouth just walking along with his heart jumping and never a word. And now I'm in Nick Orloff's funeral parlor. And you in a box in the corner of the room. But it can't end like this, baby. It can't end with Dunnigan the dummy just staring at a box. You see? That didn't take long, did it? Me and Father Spinsky got everything worked out fine. And I got hold of a singer, too. Now, let's see. I figure a blanket of roses for the coffin. And maybe a nice wreath as a sort of personal tribute from you. Oh, yeah. And the section of the church. I almost forgot that. Oh, that's bad. You wouldn't want to forget any charges. Huh? And a donation for Father Spinsky's church. Let's figure on a total of 350 bucks. 350? Well, that's a lot more than... That ain't much for a service at St. Leo's. At St. Leo's? Yes, sir. Biggest church in town. But that's the wrong church. I wanted St. Michael's. I just took for granted. That old broken-down barn? Oh, no. You don't want your friend buried from St. Michael's. Look, Mr. Orloff. Where is St. Michael's? Go on. Take a look at it. I ain't worried. Down the street to your left. Across from the hotel. Just remember, Father Paul ain't got anything to offer. You'll be back. So that's why I'm here, Father Paul. She wanted to be buried from your church. Now, how much do you charge? I'd, uh... I better tell you first, she wanted a few extras. I'm very proud that this girl wanted to be buried from St. Michael's, Mr. Dunnigan. Please put your money away. I'm sorry, Father. 
I came in here like a sorehead. It's just that, well, it's a pleasure to run into a human being again. You ever hear of poverty, Father? Oh, yes. Poverty is an old friend of St. Michael's. Well, I'm down to my last $300. I just thought I'd better warn you. And I've got a favor to ask. Could we have her brought here? I hate the thought of Olga being left in Orloff's place. Of course, she belongs here. Let me phone Orloff, and then you must tell me about Olga. I can see you must have loved her very much. Nick Orloff's a stupid and greedy man. But she'll be here. Thank you, Father. Now, about... about Olga. Well... I'd met her only twice before I took a job in Hollywood as personal drum beater for the great Marcus Harris. Marcus Harris? Uh, Marcus Harris is one of the greatest motion picture producers in America. And at the moment, he was giving, giving birth to a $3 million epic called Joan of Arc. The star of the picture was a girl named Anna Klovner. But Miss Klovner proved quite a problem. She was troubled from the minute she walked into the studio. Then one morning in Harris's office... I refuse to perform... I will not put my foot on that set again. I'm leaving, Mr. Harris. Miss Klovner, please. That imbecile. He's a director. He's an idiot. He wants me to be here before I'm awake. He says I must rehearse. I have played Joan in Europe. Shaw's Joan. Schiller's Joan. What have I to learn from him? From any of you? Oh, come on, come on, Anna. Don't act like this. You're a great artist. Why, then I want to be t- treated like a great artist. Uh, let's go to your dressing room. Let's see if we can't talk this over, huh? So, now you give the order, too. What do you know about art? A pushcart peddler is what you were. And what you still are. No ignorant peasant can give orders to Anna Klovner. Now, wait a minute. We don't talk like that in America. No. All you talk in America is money, money, money. Oh, but I am finished. I quit. You can quit. I... I'm sorry you don't like me, Miss Klovner. That's all right. I'm sorry you don't like America. But that isn't all right. It's too bad you couldn't see something nice in such a wonderful place. Wonderful. For fools, maybe. For money grabbers, for peddlers, I am an artist. Uh, She'll calm down, Marcus. She'll be back. I don't want her back. I like this country. I won't work with anyone who doesn't like it. Well, you can get somebody else to play the part, then. There's no one else available who can play Joan of Arc. It's too bad. Cloven has a great talent. Well, let's walk over to the set and give him the bad news. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. We're forced to give up the picture. I'm sorry this has happened. Maybe we'll have better luck next time. That's it, boys. Wrap it up. Mr. Donegan. Bill. Bill. Holy Ike, am I dreaming? Hello, Bill. Olga, don't tell me you're in pictures. I was. I just lost my job. I was standing for Anna Klovner. You're working here, too? Yeah. Look, uh, let's get out of here where we can talk. A stand-in, huh? Not much of a job for a foolish young lady who dreamed of being a star. (laughs) You know, it it makes me happy just to look at you. Say, where can I meet you tonight? Let me cook dinner for you. I've got a sort of apartment, and I've been dying to have a guest. No guest? No. I'm glad. What's the address? 1461 Curzon Avenue. It's over a garage. 1461. Will it be all right if I get there about 7 o'clock? 7 is fine. Oh, Bill, how good to see you again. More coffee, Bill? Oh, no, thanks. 
Just tell me the rest of it, baby. Oh, there isn't any rest of it. I kept making the rounds of the studios, and sometimes they said, come back, and sometimes they said, don't come back. But whatever they said, it always ended the same way. No job for a new young movie star. Bill, you're not listening. Yeah, I'm listening, baby. I'm listening to a lot of things. Olga, can you act? But you know I can act. How do I know? Because I told you. Oh, that's right, so you did. And I'm much better now. I, I spend all my spare time reading plays, learning parts, and... Yeah, you're better looking than she is, too. Who? Anna Klovna. You're younger, you're prettier. Bill, what are you talking Take about? Take it easy, baby. I'm incubating. Bill, you... You don't mean Joan of Arc. Never mind what I mean. Olga, do you know any scenes from the script? Oh, Bill, I, I know the whole script. Look, I don't want the whole script. I want one scene, one big scene. No? Yes, now. We've got to work fast. It's one of those things. Yes, Bill? Okay, you're on. The camera's rolling. Action. It, it's a scene where Joan comes into the courtroom. They brought her up from the dungeon. She sees all the great English aristocrats, all the great doctors of theology. They're here to make her confess that she has lied and blasphemed. Then the bishop asks her if, if she considers herself in a state of grace. And she replies, if I'm not, I hope. God will put me there. And if I am, I hope he'll keep me there. They want the truth, they tell her. And they ask, when did Satan first command you to slay the English? And Joan answers, the voices of my saints commanded me to fight for France. So I went into battle, and I led the battles. And what were the English doing on the soil of France? Why didn't they keep their blood at home where French swords could not spill it? No, no, whatever you do to me, I will not say what is not the truth. And the truth is, I'm a peasant girl, and I love my mother and father and my brothers, and I would have stayed at home. But God spoke to me through his angel Michael, and he told me to go out into the world and help my people. I went, and I fought. And if I should escape from here, I, I will continue to fight for them. And if I do not escape and you, you will burn me for what I've done, I will kneel in the fire and give God my thanks for his kindness to me and my people. Okay. Okay, baby. Where, where's the phone? Was, was it all right? Yeah, 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 it was all right. Hello. Uh, Mr. Harris, please. It's Bill Dunnigan calling. Yeah, will you please? Bill, Bill I, I don't know if you should... Hello, Marcus. It's Bill Dunnigan. Marcus, hang on to your hat. Uh, what? All right, all right. Hang on to your pajamas then. Look, Marcus, you don't have to shelve the picture. I found another Anna Clove, no plus. She's young. She's beautiful. She's... Can she act? Can Hybert's fiddle? Can Joe Lewis fight? Can Bob Feller pitch? I'm telling you, Marcus, she's great. You've got to give her a screen test first thing in the morning. Just give me your okay and I'll set everything up. Yeah. Sure, sure, I've got her tied up. I'll give you my solemn word of honor. Yeah, fine. I'll see you tomorrow. Bill. Relax, baby. I'm going to explode. You're going to bed. It's like the time you came into the theater. I couldn't see you at first. Just a voice that said, give the kid a break. I don't know why I deserve anybody like you. Yeah, yeah, I've got to get hold of Dolan and talk him into directing the test. We don't want a shot by some stooge. I'll go and see him now. And you're going to get some sleep. How can I ever repay you, Bill? By knocking him dead, baby. Tomorrow's the big day. Not as big as now. 
Oh, Bill, thanks. Good night, Good night. Now, don't worry about anything. I'll see you on the barricades at dawn, baby. In the shabby old rectory of St. Michael's Church, the mild little priest, Father Paul, listens attentively as Bill Dunnigan, press agent, continues the story of Olga Truskovna. Well, Father, the screen test was great. Olga was wonderful. And when we started shooting, she was even better. Everyone was raving about her. No gags either, real raves. I tell you, Father, you've never seen a dream come true like this one. It sounds wonderful. Well, that should be Mr. Orloff. Come in. Where do you want the box? Would you carry it into the church, please? I got it uncrated for you. Yes, yes, you may keep the lumber, Mr. Orloff. That don't pay me. There's an extra charge. Five bucks. Here. Five bucks. Now beat it. You're going to hear from Father Spinsky. Yes, sir. I'm always happy to hear from Father Spinsky. Mr. Dunnigan, it's time for evening devotions. Would you care to come with me? In church? Oh, I, uh, I don't know, Father. I... Well, please come and see her there. Well, for a minute. And you haven't finished telling me about her? Tomorrow, maybe. Good. And if you'd like, I'll show you the cemetery. This way, Mr. Dunnigan. You know, some people object to our cemetery being way up here in the hills, Mr. Dunnigan. But at least this is one place where the coal dust doesn't blow and where the flowers are always clean. I, uh, I asked a friend if she had ever heard of Olga Cheskovna, the movie actress. She said she hadn't. I told her she was very famous. No, Father. They wouldn't let her become famous. But why not? What happened? Well, after two weeks of shooting, Marcus Harris tripled her salary. That's how good she was. But she never changed. It's quite a thing, you know, Father, to jump from nowhere into stardom. And all the time she was getting thinner and more tired. I figured she was just working too hard. Until one day in her dressing room. Oh, what a day. I've never worked so hard in all my life. Dolan's a regular slave driver, but I love him for it. Oh, I feel as light as air. Clara, does she have a fever? She's awfully hot, Mr. Dunnigan. Oh, you would be too, under those lights all day. Let's have a wonderful party, Bill, when the picture's over. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that, baby. Poor, serious Bill. He doesn't know how gay life can be. How what? What? Mr. Dunnigan, that bottle, please, her medicine. Here, dear, take this. Here. What uh, medicine is that? Just something Dr. Jennings gave me. Dr. Jennings? I've been using my voice so much lately. All those long speeches... But just think, Bill. Only three more days and the picture will be finished. Yeah. Well, uh, I've got to go and see Harris. Uh, be careful, baby. You, you look so tired, you frighten me. She doesn't know I've come here, Dr. Jennings. Tell me, how sick is she? She's very sick. She's developed tuberculosis. Tuberculosis? I see. She needs what we call surgical rest. Should have had it long ago. Well, 
If we could send her to a sanatorium now. I've but... tried desperately to persuade her, but she's determined to finish this picture even if it kills her. Yeah, I know, I know. But she will get well. There's always a chance, Mr. Duncan. No more than that, huh? Thanks for telling me, Doctor. And in spite of her illness, Mr. Dunnigan, she finished the picture? Yes, Father Paul, she finished it. I was in her dressing room just before they shot the final scene. I did my best to persuade her to postpone it. But it's just one more shot, Bill. Then it's finished. But the Olga, whole picture. You're not well, Olga. I've talked to Marcus. He said we can shoot it tomorrow or the next day or next week. Please, Bill. This is so important to me. Please. We're ready, Mr. Skobner. Coming. Come along, Bill. I want you to be there. Sure, baby. Sure. Yes, this was the last shot, Father Paul. With Olga as Joan chained to the stake, the fire leaping up around her, and the mob hooting and jeering until Joan spoke her last words. I pardon you for what you do. I'm young and I, I do not know much of life. But I know that this little place in which I stand is not the world. There are places I've never seen where men and women are full of sweetness and hope. I speak to them out of the pain that comes. Dream on. Dream on of God and goodness. Believe in truth and justice, for the word is yours. I will not die. I will not die. When the fire burns me, my soul will remain to sing the glory of God. I will remain as a light, a light for those in the dark. Jesus, mercy. The following day, Olga was dead. A few hours later in Harris's office... So I've decided not to release the picture, gentlemen. Sometime, maybe we can remake it when we can find the proper person to play the part again. Marcus, you can't do that. I'm not going to release a picture with a dead girl in it, and that's final. But Olga died to make it. She gave up her life to act in it. Where's your heart, Marcus? Do it for her. I'm sorry, Bill, I can't. If Olga had been a girl whom the public had known and loved, I might be willing to take a chance. But this way, no. We gambled and lost. That's all, gentlemen. Bill, I'm sorry. She was a fine girl. I'm going to take her home, Marcus. Back to Pennsylvania. That's what she wanted. I won't be coming back. You'll be back. It's tough, but it'll pass. Everything does. I don't think so. It can't end like this. Not for her. All right, that's the first portion, well, the first half of the Lux Radio Theater, hour-long presentation of Miracle of the Bells with Fred McMurray, Frank Sinatra, and Valley. 
Drivers on their cell phones is a serious problem on our roadways. Whether you're talking or texting, cellular use is a major distraction. Please be responsible and put your phone down while driving. This message, courtesy of Nick's Towing, where they are working hard for the future of our great community. For all your towing needs, call 847-671-5290. 847-671-5290. That's Nick's Towing in Chicago on the air because they care. More of the WGN radio theater after these words holiday season remember and pray for the men and women in our military their families and our veterans this salute courtesy of a concerned citizen john wadzita serving the u.s postal service for over 38 years john wadzita is on the air saluting our troops all right you know what lisa what carl we have a club that we started a couple years ago called the classic radio club you know why we called it that because it's full of classic radio and it's the kind of club where every single month you get cds or digital downloads cds cds (laughs) what's a cd it's like a cd but it's it's a little bit better better quality wow a really high quality cd even better yeah so we send the best quality CDs to your house, or we send digital downloads. Either way, you will get 10 of the best classic radio shows sent to you every single month. Yeah, you know, when I first started the Classic Radio Club, this is going back maybe 20 months now, so it's almost two Has it years. Been that yeah, long? 20 months. Wow. Yeah, I, I thought I'd first thought, you know what? I'm just going to do digital downloads, I'm not going to do CDs. But then people were like, you know, when I started talking to people about it, they were like, no, no, do CDs, too. And then I just decided to only do CDs to start. But then about maybe 10 months into it, decided to also offer them digital downloads, too. Yeah, you know what? Everybody's different. I mean, I vote for the digital downloads. I don't use CDs anymore, yeah. but you know, that's just me. And I know there are a lot of people out there who still prefer to have the actual like physical the C- disc. I like the CDs. Yeah, I prefer the digital downloads. Or the, download, or the DDs, but, the CDDs. No, it's the CDs. That's oh, the, the CDs. high quality. Yeah, that's the high quality version of a right. CD. Mm-hmm. People probably think you're serious right about now. Oh, I am. Yeah, you should look it up. So I, I just love, the, honestly, though, I like to have the case. You know, I, I get the case with the five CDs in there, two shows on each CD, but the case has all the pictures of the stars that are on those ten shows, and it's always a different color each month, and I just like the CD sets. And I like the links. They come right to my computer. I get a link, a different link for each show, and for me, that's a great way of organizing things. I like to put them in folders on my computer, okay. and now I've built up oh. my uh, classic radio Listen, collection. you know, you have a good argument there. <laughs> I always do. <laughs> the reason, but but here's here's the real reason why I started the club because you know I've been collecting these classic radio shows and licensing these classic radio shows since 1981. 1981. That's when I first started, and. We get the master recordings from the rights holders, from, you know, uh, the Jack Benny estate and Burns and Allen and uh, CBS and all, you know, Stacey Keach for Tales of the Texas Rangers. And so we get the master, master recordings. Now, there's lots of people, there's lots of companies that put out classic radio, but they don't have the master recordings. They're not supposed to be selling the shows. And they don't sound like the shows that we play here at WGN, which are the same type of quality that we produce for the Classic Radio Club. Right, and I wanted to have a way 
so that people that really appreciate these classic radio shows and that appreciate the quality, the sound quality of a master recording, and then Mike takes that master recording, even makes it better because he does a digital remaster of it, so it's amazing quality. You know, most times they sound just like they could have been recorded today. Yeah. You really can't tell the difference. Yep. So that's uh, so that's really why I wanted to have a classic radio club. I wanted people to be able to get the best of the best shows in the best quality. So when you join the Classic Radio Club, and it's you can cancel at any time, you know, you join, and if you want to, you know, cancel the next month, you can cancel. But all you have to do is go to ClassicRadioClub.com. If you go to ClassicRadioClub.com, you'll learn all about it. You can sign up for the CD program, which would mean you'll get five CDs in a collector case, ten shows, uh, every single month sent to you, to your home, mailed to you, or you can get the 10 shows sent via digital download links right to your computer. Um, and it's it's just the best way to collect the best quality. ClassicRadioClub.com. Okay, so in our next hour, we have uh, the conclusion to Lux Radio Theater, Miracle of the Bells. This is a really uh, kind of an interesting, interesting story about, uh, and someone emailed in and said, or texted in and said, who is this woman, Valley? She went by the name Valley, but her real name, uh, well, I mean, that was her name, but her her first name was Alida, A-L-I-D-A, Valley. I don't know if she did a lot of movies or not, but this she was like third build in this. Valley was uh, how, how right. she was. And you can see a picture of her in the poster that we yeah. posted on our fun fact on our Facebook page as well. Yep. It's very interesting because uh, all three of the stars that were in the movie are in this radio show. Right. Isn't that great? Lux that they Theater. All were you know, able to do that. Yeah. I mean, Lux Theater was the longest running and the most extravagant show from the golden age of radio. It started in 1934. It's early. Yeah. Lasted all the way till 1955. So think about that. Yeah. 926 hours. 926 hours were dramatized on the Lux Radio Theater. Then it made a transition to television. Now this always kind of blew me away. On radio, I can understand it. You can do anything on radio, right? How do you take a movie and then put it on TV? Does that make any sense? No, I I don't know. They have great writers to do that. They were able to do it. And on TV, James Mason was the host. James Mason. Remember that movie, Lolita? Mm -hmm. He was the star of that movie, Lolita. Um, Yeah, Cecil B. DeMille for a long time was the host, producer, director of Lux Radio Theater. Um, just a great series, and I hope you're enjoying this uh, Miracle of the Bells. We'll have more of it in our next hour. Right, and also next hour we have a very short five-minute radio show. Yeah, we got a little. We're going to have a little uh, sort of a Cat's Pride Extra. We're calling it the Cat's Pride Extra, and it'll be um, just a little Christmas story, five-minute Christmas story. Someone earlier texted in and said, "Are we going to play the Cinnamon Bear this year?" And we're not. Going to play the Cinnamon Bear this year, but if you go to cinnamonbearradio.com, cinnamonbearradio.com, you will see that we have not only an article about the Cinnamon Bear, but you can purchase the Cinnamon Bear digital download in like um, incredible quality because we have the master recordings. 
That's cinnamonbearradio.com. All right, stick around. More of Lux Radio Theater after these words. Welcome back to the WGN Radio Theater. I'm Carl Amari, Lisa Wolf here. And uh, in just a few minutes, we'll tune into the concluding half hour of the Lux Radio Theater Miracle of the Bells with Fred McMurray, Frank Sinatra, and Valley. Good hour-long broadcast from 1948. Hope you're enjoying that. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to tell all of our listeners about a brand-new website we have. It's 100radioshows.com, the number 100radioshows.com. It's really cool because uh, there are seven different collections there, right, Lisa? Right, which is different than anything we've ever had before because in this particular scenario, you can choose the collection that you want. We have greatest shows, we have comedies, we have mysteries, we have Christmas shows, um, westerns, dramas, we have it all. And if you go to that genre, you can see what shows and what dates shows are under each genre. So you can really know and really make choices choices as to what shows you will be receiving. Right. 100 shows in each one of these collections. It's not available on CD, though. These are only digital downloads. But when you go to the website, 100radioshows.com, you'll see seven collections. Click on any one of those. You'll see all the shows. And they're instantly sent to you, and you have them on your computer. You'll actually get 100 links, and they never expire. You can listen to them on any listening device, anything you can Bluetooth that too. You can listen in the car, whatever. But uh, really cool, and people are enjoying them. Just go to 100radioshows.com. Right, Lisa? Right. A great way to build your collection. All right. Lisa's going to read a spot. We'll go to break, and then it's more with the Lux Radio Theater. Yes, motorists, this holiday season, please arrive alive. Never drink and drive. The Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists Drunk Buster Program pays $100 to motorists who reported impaired driver that leads to a DUI arrest. This program is in effect year-round in DuPage, Lake, Kane, Grundy, McHenry, Will, Boone, and Winnebago counties, and statewide on all major holidays, including Christmas and New Year's. Citizens are encouraged to report erratic driving to the police. That's AAIM, the Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists. For more information, visit www.aaim1.org. All right. We'll be back after these words. This week on Chicago's Best, good food, good beer, and of course, lots of cheer. It's an all-new Chicago's Best Brew Pubs, Sunday night at 10 on WGN-TV. All right, Lisa, we are listening to an hour-long Lux Radio Theater. This has the original film cast. Now, oftentimes on Lux, they would have the original film stars, but how lucky were the people back in 1948 to have all three of the original film stars? That was pretty rare. So you had Fred McMurray, Frank Sinatra, and Valley. They were in the movie and they also were available for the radio broadcast. So let's go back to May 31st, 1948, for the conclusion now to Miracle of the Bells on the Lux Radio Theater. But that's the way it did end, Father Paul. The picture shelved, Olga's talent and beauty stuck away in a vault, buried like we're going to bury her. Those bells, Father. Church bells? Yes, they ring every day at noon all over the world. The Angelus. I guess I never listened. Bells? 
I knew there was something I'd forgotten. Olga wanted your bells rung at her funeral. I almost forgot her last request. I'll tell the sexton. Father, how many churches are there in Coal Town? Why, we, we have five churches. Do they all have bells? Oh, yes, fine bells. Mr. Dunnigan, you're not thinking I'm of the... thinking of a lot of things. Five churches. Okay, I want all the bells to start ringing at 8 o'clock tonight and keep on ringing for three days. Three days and three nights. But why? A brain cell mood, finally. I've been letting Olga down. I've been sitting around moaning like a beggar on a rainy day. Mr. Dunnigan, it's going to cost money, a lot of money. Oh, that'll be taken care of, Father. But you told me that you Look, only... Father, you've heard of St. Michael, haven't you? He was a scrapper, wasn't he? Oh, indeed he was. He was the first warrior of heaven. Well, then what are we worried about? He's on our side, isn't he? Come on, Father, let's get back to town. You, uh, you want this telegram to go to Hollywood, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see if I can read it. Look, just get it off, will you, please? Mister, if I can't read it, I can't send it. Uh, Marcus Harris, Excelsior Studios, have terrific stunt to save Joan of Arc. Wire $10,000 immediately, Miners Bank and Trust Company. Uh, that's just a block down yes, the street. Yes, I know you... where it is. Uh, just go on. Right? Oh, oh, you, you know. Uh, uh, must have it by noon. It will pay back $10 million gross for picture. Dunigan in great form. That's uh, Dunigan. Oh, Dunigan. Dunigan. Dunigan in great form. Dunigan is still world's greatest press agent. Regards Dunigan. Who's Dunigan? I am. You don't say. Here, here's five bucks. Now keep the change. Oh, thanks. And phone me at this number in Coltown as soon as the answer comes through. Ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I'll sure like to see that return message. Yes, and so will I. But uh, just the two of us, do you understand? That's why I didn't phone it in from Coltown. There you... Say, what's that? Them bells. <laughs> Church bells. Sounds like they're coming from Coal Town. Yeah, right on the dot. Eight o'clock. Huh? Sound beautiful, don't they? Sounds like all the churches in Coal Town. Something must have happened. That's right, partner. Something must have happened. I'm sorry I was so long getting back to the hotel, but I've uh, been over in Nanticoke. I'm Todd Jones, Associated Press. Oh, yeah. Tanner, Nanticoke Journal. And I'm Briggs, Wilkes-Barre's son. Now, would you mind telling us what this is all about? These bells? Yeah, this whole town is standing in its ear. Nobody seems to know why they're ringing. Well, I'm, I'm a little surprised, gentlemen. I, I didn't think anyone outside of Coal Town would be interested. Uh, this Olga Treskovna, who is she? She's an actress. A great actress, gentlemen. She died ten days ago in Hollywood. A Hollywood star? Huh? What, what pictures? Well, as a matter of fact, she just finished Joan of Arc. Hey, wait a minute. I thought I recognized you. You're Bill Dunnigan, aren't you? That's right. Bill Dunnigan, super-duper press agent. Bells, huh? This isn't a news story. It's a publicity oh, story. Oh, wait a minute. Wait wait a minute. Did Marcus Harris ever hear of paid advertising? Okay, boys. I'll admit I was trying to pull a fast one, but not for the reasons you're thinking. Hey, Al, uh... How about a bottle of scotch and some glasses? Sure, right away, Mr. Donegan. Everything I've told you is true, as far as it went. How about listening to the whole story? At least until the bottle runs out. The AP doesn't print publicity stories, Donegan. What I want to know is who's paying for three days and nights of bell ringing? I am. With the aid of four bad checks which I have sinfully given the trusting clergy of Coal Town, including Father Spinsky of St. Leo's. I've wired Marcus Harris for $10,000. If he sends it, fine. If he doesn't... Our next session will be in the Coal Town Jail. Well, why wouldn't he send it? A gag like this? Because when Olga died, Harris decided not to release the picture. I'm doing all this on my own. 
I figured that ringing the bells would be news. That with any luck, it'd cause so much talk that Harris would have to release the picture. And uh, what's your interest in the picture, Dunnigan? Mine? I knew Olga. I don't want to see her talent buried. She died for it. Do you want to hear why she felt it was worth dying for? Go ahead. I can't get a train for an hour. Well, the day she finished the picture, Olga collapsed. The next morning at daybreak, the hospital sent for me. Hello, Bill. Hello, baby. Bill. Bill, will you promise me something? Sure, sure, anything. I want... I want to be buried in Cold Town from St. Michael's Church. Olga, please don't talk like that. And I want them to ring the bell for me. They didn't ring it for my father. Don't forget, St. Michael's. Bill, the picture... Is it really good? It's wonderful. You're great in it, Olga. I hope it's true. Because I didn't play Joan alone. A lot of people played her. People you've never seen or heard. My father and all the other poor, sad people of Cold Town. You'd better not talk, baby. But I, I want you to know and remember why I did it. Why I kept on till this happened. It's because all those poor people... The people I came from have hopes and dreams that never get a chance. They just work and die, and all the nice things inside of them never come out. And Bill, I came out of them. When they hear me, they, they'll know it's their own heart speaking. And when they see my name shining in all the theaters... It'll be something of their shining. Oh, Bill. I'm so happy. I... I... did my job. Olga. Olga. Times by Associated Press. Dead movie star honored by unique ceremony in Pennsylvania town. Wilkes-Barre Sun. Bells ring tribute to Pennsylvania movie star. Bells. 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 Dying wish of Hollywood star fulfilled. Do you like them, Olga? They're ringing your name, baby. Throughout the town. Throughout the state. Throughout the nation. Hello? Mr. Dunnigan. Father Spinsky is here in the lobby, sir. Father Spinsky, huh? Uh, has the telegraph office called me yet? Uh, no, sir, not yet. Not yet. Okay, uh, tell him I'll be right down. And I don't think you realize, Mr. Dunnigan, what a stir all this has created. Oh, I think I have an idea, Father Spinsky. Why, they tell me the entire nation has heard about the bells, the newspapers, radio. Anyway, as far as Coal Town is concerned, it seems everyone wants to attend services for Miss Truscovna. That's fine, Father. And it's obvious St. Michael's Church couldn't possibly accommodate them all. Bill. Bill. Oh, good morning, Father Paul. Bill, the, the most unusual thing has happened. I mean, just a little while ago, over a hundred people, they came to view the coffin and they stayed for Mass. All of them in my church. Exactly, Father Paul. I was just telling Mr. Dunnigan, your little church will be greatly overtaxed. Why, the sightseers are flooding the town already. Mr. Dunnigan, I'm sure you'll agree it would be far wiser to move Olga Traskovna to St. Leo's Church and let us conduct the service. 
Uh, perhaps it would be better, Bill. No, Father Paul. Olga's going to be buried from St. Michael's. I... I had hoped not to be forced into this position, Mr. Dunnigan. I came here to be of service, however. At Mr. Orloff's suggestion, I wired your bank regarding the check you gave me for ringing the bells of St. Leo's. Oh. They tell me the check is worthless. Well, if you'll just give me a little time, it'll be covered, I Father. I shall phone your bank at noon. If the money is not in your account, our bells will stop ringing. And I shall inform my fellow pastors of your swindle. Good day, Mr. Dunnigan. Till noon, he said. Three hours. You know, Bill, St. Leo's is a very fine church. And Father Spinsky is really a very good man. You mean run out in St. Michael's? No, Father. Uh, Father, uh, how much is the fare to Nanticoke? Why, it's ten cents. Well, a dollar, a dollar ought to cover it then, huh? But I don't understand, Bill. Look, Father, don't make it too difficult, will you? I'm putting the bite on you for a buck. Oh, <laughs> oh of course, here. Uh, thanks. Oh, will that be enough? Well, not quite. I need about 4,000 more, but I may be able to pick it up in Nanticoke. I'll see you later. Ah, she's coming in now, Mr. Dunnigan. Yep, yep. It, it, it's from Hollywood. Oh, all what right. does it say? What does it say? Uh, have sent $5,000 as requested. Huh. Cut you down, didn't they? I expected it. Uh, what else does it say? Uh... Money is settlement in full for your unexpired contract. Never mind about saving picture. My decision still stands. Signed, Harris. Oh, thanks. Oh, if there should be any other wires, you can phone me at the Coal Town Hotel. Yes, sir. Uh, go in there now, right? Yeah, right from the bank. I've got a little session coming up with some newspaper reporters. So Harris came through with the money, huh? Yeah, but he's still not sold on releasing the picture. I need something big, boys. I've got to get him boiling over. If we could only get some new angle to hand your papers. Well, the bells are still ringing. Yeah, but that's no longer news breaks. We've got to cook up some fresh headlines. Boys, you can all calm down. The uh, party's over. What's the matter, Tanner? Well, I've just seen Watson. Who's Watson? President of the coal mines, that's all. Biggest man in town and the maddest. The miners aren't working. They're all steamed up over the bells. Well, Watson can't stop the bells, can he? No, I think he can, Bill. Well, there must be somebody more important than Watson. Well, the governor, maybe. And there's always the president. The governor, that's it. Any of you boys know him? Well, I don't know the governor, Donegan, but I know his secretary. It's my wife's cousin. Grab a phone, then. Put a call in for him. If the gov governor should issue a proclamation, even Watson would have to shut up. I thought you'd like to see the newspapers, Mr. Harris. Take a look at this. Headlines, too. Pennsylvania governor issues proclamation. All denominations to observe Star's funeral. Now here's the globe. Nationwide mourning accorded Olga. And you know what the journal says? Uh, never mind, never mind. I've never seen a campaign like this in all my born days. Uh, too bad it's all for nothing. For nothing? I just this minute hung up the phone. Genevieve James is available. She wants to do Joan of Arc. Well, that is news, isn't it? You know, Dolan, I was almost hoping we could go ahead as Dunnigan wanted. But naturally, this changes everything. We'll remake the picture with Genevieve James. I'll get a telegram off to Dunnigan right away. And what's that telegram, Bill? From Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's from Hollywood. Marcus Harris? Uh... No, 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 it's another studio. They uh, they want to hire me. They think I'm pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to get some sleep. Coming up? No, I, I think I'll go for a walk. Good night, boys. And uh, thanks for a swell fight. Good night. Any time. Well, baby, 
the bells are still ringing. Near star up there is still shining. But I didn't do so good, baby. They're going to remake the picture. So you can quit shining. It's no dice. I've let you down. Way down. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Our guest tonight, Paramount starlet Jean Ruth, is just 20 years old and already an accomplished actress and dancer. I understand, Jean, you've spent almost as many years in the theater as you have birthdays. Yes, Mr. Keeling. Both of my parents have been in show business nearly all their lives, so I was literally raised in the theater. And now you're well on your way to a movie career. Does the picture business come up to your expectations? It's even more fascinating than I'd hoped for. Take last Wednesday night's premiere of The Emperor Waltz. It was such fun seeing all those famous stars. And the picture. I got a special thrill out of that because I saw so much of the actual filming. And besides, Bing Crosby has one of his most romantic roles in The Emperor Waltz. Wasn't he terrific? I love those scenes where he sang to Joan Fontaine. (laughs) Well, evidently Joan loved them too. Because every time Bing sang to her, she literally wilted into his arms. (laughs) I saw you, Mr. Kennedy, at the premiere. You were applauding like mad. I had a wonderful time, all right. Remember that scene where Bing and Joan are in the canoe? Oh, that was beautiful. And in Technicolor, Joan looked simply dazzling. That brilliant sunlight was a test for any star's complexion. Try this fine white soap. You'll enjoy its rich, creamy lather. Its delicate, flower-like perfume. Here's your producer, Mr. Keeley. Our curtain rises on the third act of The Miracle of the Bell, starring Fred McMurray as Bill Dunnigan, Valley as Alga, and Frank Sinatra as Father Paul. Marcus Harris, the producer, has decided to remake Joan of Arc, and Bill Dunnigan's frantic efforts to bring Alga before the world have failed. But in Cold Town, the bells still ring out, and in the humble little church of St. Michael, the funeral service is about to begin. Never before has the church been so crowded, and outside, great throngs struggle to get in. Then, Suddenly, within the church, a strange sound is heard. A rumble, almost like a distant earthquake. Transfixed, the people stare before them. For the holy statues around the altar are moving. The statue of St. Michael, the statue of Mary, are turning. Until now, they face the coffin of Alga Trescovna. They're moving. The statues, look at them, they're moving. The statues are turning, but you are turning toward her. They're looking at her coffin. It's a miracle. A miracle. A miracle. They're looking at her coffin. Excuse me, please. You're, you're the sexton, aren't you? Where is he? Where is Father Paul? He, he went down there, Mr. Dunnigan, down to the basement. Father Paul. Father Paul. I'm here, Bill. Father Paul, I, I saw it. I was in the back of the church when it happened. I, I saw the statues turn. Yes, I know, Bill. That's why I came down here. Look, Father Paul, I started this thing. I started the bells ringing as a gag to get them to release Olga's picture. But I didn't do that upstairs, so help me, I had nothing to do with it. I know, Bill, I know. 
The statues turned by themselves. They turned and looked at Olga. Look, Bill. Look at this post. You see? The ground is broken around this post. What? The ground, Bill. It's broken and all the way across to the base of the other post. The statues are directly above these posts. And the posts support the statues, Bill. I... Are you trying to knock out the miracle? There wasn't any miracle. You see, there are a lot of old mine shafts under here, and the earth isn't too solid. The movement of the two posts made the statues turn, Bill. That's it, huh? Yes. I rushed down here because I was worried about the flooring of the church. All those people up there, why, our floor isn't used to such crowds. What are you going to do, Father Paul? Why, I'm going to tell them the truth. You know the truth? Yes, Bill. Father, wait. I must tell them, Bill. It's my duty. It's your duty to take the light out of their faces, is it, Father? I saw them when it happened. I saw those poor, bitter faces shining as if someone had turned a light on inside them. And I heard them praying and giving thanks. And now you're going up and tell them it was nothing but a couple of basement pillars and a piece of broken ground. Bill, you don't seem to understand. I Look, Father, I'm not thinking of putting over a movie now. Whoever turned those statues wasn't trying to sell a picture for Marcus Harris. I tell you, Father, God was trying to say, life's all right. It's not as bad as it seems. And I'm up here watching and trying to help. And even if he didn't say it, Father, can't you see it's in their hearts now? It'll go out all over the world. And if God doesn't speak like that out of heaven, he'll be speaking out of people's hearts. And what's the difference where he speaks from? Your job isn't to hide his word, is it? No, Bill, it, it isn't to hide his word. The saints came to Joan of Arc because she wanted to help someone. The people of France. Olga wanted to help someone just as much. The people of Coaltown. Give her the chance, Father Paul. Come with me, Bill. We'll go up now. My, my dear friends, something strange and wonderful has happened. The faces of the Blessed Virgin and St. Michael have, have turned to look on one who lies among us in a coffin. I will not speak of what has made the statues turn. Others will tell you the answer to that later. I speak to you of no other miracle than the miracle of the Olga Chakis of the world, of those who live and dream only to bring heaven into our lives, even if it is no more than a, a smile of fellowship or a moment of beauty. Olga died for this, for the beauty and the tired and lonely hearts of her people. Let us pray for her. In nomine Patri et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, Mr. Harris, but something tremendous has happened. There's a mob of newspaper reporters out there, and they want What's you to... What's happened? What are you talking about? The miracle, Mr. Harris. What miracle? In Coal Town, a miracle has happened to Olga Triscovna. I won't hear such bunk. It's sacrilegious. And if Dunnigan thinks it he It isn't can... Dunnigan. Two huge statues at the altar turned to look at Olga in her coffin. What do you mean it isn't Dunnigan? Do you think for one moment the Almighty is interested in selling my movies? And you believe it? The whole country believes it, Mr. Harris. This time, Dunnigan's gone a little too far... When a press agent starts fooling the people about religion, I'm through with him. But the statues turned, Marcus. 
Hundreds of people saw them turn. Then he paid somebody to have them turn. Don't you believe in miracles, Marcus? You just made a picture about one, Joan of Arc. Yes, I believe in miracles. I was brought up to believe in God and in miracles. But I won't stand for press agent miracles. Reporters, huh? Fine. I'll tell them Bill Dunnigan's the biggest faker in America. I, I've uh, turned on your radio, Mr. Harris. Can you listen in for just a moment? They're talking about it on the radio. Turn it up, Eddie. All right, Marcus. Listen. Here will be that of the distinguished correspondent Lawrence Hunter here in Coal Town to report on this amazing happening. The whole country is asking, did a miracle happen in Coal Town? But here, nobody asked that question. Every man, woman, and child believes that the grace of God has touched them. To them, a miracle has happened. Something so wondrous that it has torn the bitterness and the doubts from the hearts of the people and brought them back to God. Whether this is a miracle or not is up to the church authorities to decide. But I do know this. When Olga Treskovna was brought home, a wonderful thing happened. And everyone here is convinced that somehow divine providence is blessing Coal Town and the people in it. What a day this has been, Bill. What a wonderful day. Look at those telegrams on my desk. How am I ever going to answer them all? And tomorrow there'll be more. You don't answer them, Father Paul. You get a secretary. She answers them. Oh, no, no. They were written to me. Look, we are being given a new organ by Mr. Watson. Others are giving us a new roof, stained glass windows. And look, Bill, all this money for the poor. And the world has come to St. Michael's to pray. I must thank you, Bill. Thank me? Isn't that a little funny coming from you? You mean you still believe in the miracle? I've been standing in the church most of the day, Father. I haven't tried to plant one line of newspaper copy. Do you remember when I told you how I couldn't tell Olga what I felt? Well, this is the second time in my life that I've been dumb. I can't tell the world about it. That's why I know it's real. Because I'm no good at t selling anything that's real. Well, I, I guess I'm through here. Through? Oh, no, Bill. No, Bill. You're just beginning. Marcus. Bill, I'm happy to see you. Hello, Marcus. Hello, Dolan. Father, this is Mr. Harris and Mr. Dolan, straight from Hollywood. My special plane. I'm very glad to know you. Father, Bill, I'm a man who knows when he's licked. You win. You, Bill, and Father Paul, St. Michael, Olga, and a couple of statues. I've decided to release the picture as quickly as possible. Uh, thank you, Marcus. We're going to put Olga Treskovna in pictures in every city in the country... And I'll tell you what she's going to do. Olga's going to build a hospital for Coal Town, the best that money can buy, a clinic for her people, for the study of this disease from which she died, so that someday there will be no such disease and people won't be dying from it because Olga Treskovna died for them, worked and died for them. This is a great thing you're doing, Mr. Harris. It's beyond anything any of us has dreamed. Maybe. I, I don't know how all this started, but... In my religion, when something happens that makes the world a little better than it was before, we know that God has had something to do with it. And we don't ask questions. In my religion, too, Mr. Harris. And, Bill, when they hear me, they'll know it's their own heart speaking. And when they see my name shining in all the theaters, it'll be something of their shining. I'm so happy, Bill. I did my job.
can't imagine a better Memorial Day tribute to our audience than the Miracle of the Bells. And our thanks go now to the stars who made tonight's play such an unforgettable event. Fred McMurray, Valley, and Frank Sinatra. Fred, you just got back in time from the Chicago premiere of the picture. That's right, Bill. Uh, Frank and I both were there. And I understand it was a sellout. Yes, Mr. Keeley, which was mighty gratifying since the proceeds went to the National Cancer Drive. And where were you, Valley, during all this? Working at the studio. But I wish I could have been there. Well, at least we had you for the radio premiere. And it's a great pleasure having you back so soon again on Lux. Well, it's a pleasure for me, Mr. Keeley. I love radio. And I'd say radio loves you, and so do I. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us, Alita, uh, you've been in this country such a short time. How did you learn to speak English so well? Oh, I have a good voice coach. And I go to movies a lot. Go to movies, huh? I wish I could have studied English that way. (laughs) (laughs) Say, you know, if you don't watch out, Alita, you're going to have a lot of English students playing hooky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure, Valley, many actresses could learn a lot by seeing your excellent performance in the role of Mrs. Paradine in David O. Selznick's production, The Paradine Case. Yeah, that was really a thrilling picture you made with Gregory Peck, Alita. Yes, and I like those typical Alfred Hitchcock touches. You all ought to be proud of it, you all. But I'm not surprised, Valley, at the success of your American pictures after your many, many screen hits in Italy. But tell me, do the screen stars of Italy depend on Lux soap as they do in this country? Well, every actress knows how important a good soap is to her complexion, Mr. Keeley. Mr. Keeley, what's Lux presenting next week? Next Monday night, we bring our audience a spine-thrilling story of the West with Columbia Pictures' current hit, Relentless. And our stars are Robert Young in his original exciting screen role and the lovely Claire Trevor for romantic interest. A mighty exciting picture, Bill. Yes, and as its title implies, an action-packed story of the chase in which an innocent man relentlessly pursues the murderer of whose crime he's accused. That ought to be ought to keep the audience in plenty of suspense, Bill. We'll be listening. Good night. Good, Good night. night. Good night. Thanks for brightening our holiday. Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Robert Young and Claire Trevor in Relentless. This is William Keeley saying goodnight to you from Hollywood. Heard in our cast tonight were William Johnstone as Marcus Harris, Herbert Butterfield as Orloff, and Veronica Pataki as Klobna. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers. And this is your announcer, John Milton Kennedy, reminding you to join us again next Monday night to hear Relentless with Robert Young and Claire Trevor. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's the Lux Radio Theater from May 31st, 1948. Miracle of the Bells with Fred McMurray, Frank Sinatra, and Valley. Hour-long broadcast that was sponsored by Lux Toilet Soap. And uh, Lux Radio Theater, probably the most extravagant, most expensive radio show in the history of the golden age of radio. And uh, hour-long broadcast, they took the best movies and uh, recreated them on radio. 
just a tremendous, tremendous production. We have a great poster for that posted oh, yeah. on our Facebook page That's in right. color. Check it That's out right. um, with the three stars on there. At, go to WGN Radio Theater Facebook page. Um, it's really neat. Yeah, the fun fact, uh, because before casting Frank Sinatra in the role of Father Paul in this, um, they sought the, the producers sought the approval from the Catholic Church. They wanted to make sure that the Catholic Church was okay with Frank Sinatra. Right, and they playing, had no objections, had no according objections. to the Church. <laughs> and so uh, they, uh, they, they cast him, and uh, he did a great job, did an absolutely great job. You know, there were other actors that were considered for the main roles that Fred McMurray and Frank Sinatra had, and those actors included James Cagney, Clark Gable, Cary Grant, and uh, the Valley role uh, that was played by Valley, they had Barbara Bel Geddes, uh, Ingrid Bergman was considered, along with Joan Fontaine and Greer Garson. But it all worked out, and these were the stars, Fred McMurray, Frank Sinatra, and Valley. Hope you enjoyed that hour-long Lux Radio Theater production. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we have a little five-minute radio drama that I think you're really going to love for Christmas. Stick around. Lisa, I thought it would be fun to play this little um, little sketch that is from a guest star program. Now, guest star was a 15-minute program. Roger Pryor stars in this on December 21st, 1947. They had a guest star episode with a sketch called, Is There a Santa Claus? And so we're going to play the five-minute sketch from the 15-minute production. Here you go right now. Is there a Santa Claus? It was just the other evening that I dropped in for a quiet chat with some friends of mine. They're a couple of grand people, typical of so many of today's young married folks. And I won't deny that one of the reasons why I liked to visit them was their little daughter, age eight, named Virginia. We're real pals, Virginia and I. She calls me her Uncle Roger, and I like it, too. Well, when the door opened the other night, there was no little eight-year-old to greet me. I was worried for a minute, thought she might be sick. No, it wasn't anything like that. She was up in her room, and she wanted to see me. I could see from the look on her parents' faces that something was wrong, so I rushed right upstairs to find out. As I opened the door, I called out, Hello, Virginia. What's going on here? Uncle Roger. Oh, I'm so glad you've come. Well, I promised you I'd be here again before Christmas time, so here I am. Hey, you've been crying. What's the trouble? It's just that... Well, at school today, that bad Tommy Wagner and Walter... Walter Royal, they said an awful thing. They did, did they? What did they say? I told Mama and Daddy about it, but they didn't answer right away like I wanted them to, so... So I wondered if maybe Tommy and Walter are right. You'll tell me for sure, won't you, Uncle Roger? For really sure? Well, of course I will, Virginia, when I know what they said. Well, well, they, they said... They said they're... Isn't any Santa Claus? They did, did they? <laughs> well, no wonder you were upset. And so you want me to tell you the really honest-to-goodness truth, is that it? Yes. Yes, Uncle Roger. The really honest-to-goodness truth. Well, Virginia, your little friends are wrong. They've been affected by the skepticism of a skeptical age. They don't believe, except they see. They think that nothing can be which isn't comprehensible to their little minds. All minds, Virginia, whether they be men's or children's, 
are little. In this great universe of ours, man is a mere insect, an ant in his intellect, as compared with the boundless world about him, as measured by the intelligence capable of grasping the whole of truth and knowledge. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist. And you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. How dreary would be the world if there was no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. There'd be no childlike faith then, no, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. We should have no enjoyment except in sense and sight. The eternal light with which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. Not believe in Santa Claus. Why, you might as well not believe in the fairies. You might get your daddy to hire men and watch in all the chimneys on Christmas Eve to catch Santa Claus. But, but even if they didn't see him coming down, what would that prove? Nobody sees him. But that's no sign there isn't any Santa Claus. The most real things in the world are those that neither children nor men can see. Did you ever see fairies dancing on the lawn? Of course not. But that's no proof they aren't there. Nobody can conceive or imagine all the wonders that are unseen and unseeable in the world. You can tear apart a baby's rattle and see what makes the noise inside. But there's a veil covering the unseen world which not the strongest man nor even the united strength of all the strongest men that ever lived can tear apart. Only faith, fancy, poetry, love, and romance can push aside the curtain and picture the supernal beauty and glory beyond. Is it all real? Virginia, in all this world, there's nothing else real and abiding. No Santa Claus. Thank God he lives and lives forever. A thousand years from now, Virginia, yes, ten times ten thousand years from now, he'll continue to make glad the heart of childhood. Thank you, Roger Pryor. And that's Is There a Santa Claus? Five-minute sketch from guest star from December 21st, 1947. Roger Pryor is the star of that. Hope you enjoyed that. Well, Lisa, that's about a wrap for this edition of the WGN Radio Theater. But we'll be back next Saturday. Uh, we've got a shortened show next Saturday oh, night. Oh, yeah. So we're going to be starting at midnight until 3 a.m. So we've wow. got three great hours of classic radio next Saturday night. Well, then I guess we won't play Dragnet. So I guess we'll play My Favorite Husband and then an hour-long Lux Radio Theater. How's that sound? That sounds like a great night. So we start at midnight next week? Correct. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right, but we'll still be here. All right, we'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening.